0: Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show providing you with entertainment, a sharing of viewpoints, and fun. Join us as we venture into the world of entertainment and discuss a variety of topics, from television shows, DVDs, feature films, and more. This week, Two Guys Talking... The Matrix, 1999, directed by the Wachowski brothers. What is The Matrix? Still to this day on commercial networks across the world, many still find out what it is. The Matrix, that was born in 1999, provided the canvas of virtual reality, infused with AI, artificial intelligence, and allowed us to all watch Neo, Trinity, Morpheus, and a cavalcade of characters too long to mention, traverse down the digital rabbit hole add in guns a love story several gargantuan light bulb moments that drive story and imagination and you've got something that's the culmination of not just swallowing a blue or red pill but of years of imagination that combine to make up the matrix 1999 directed by the Wachowski brothers which is now square inside the two guys talking minigun perspective review crosshairs here on the two guys talking perspective review of the matrix greetings everybody i'm
2: mike wilkerson one of your hosts i'm scott roberts another one of your hosts and i'm matt gummercell owner and senior firearms instructor of sovereign arms
0: and matt is one of the most important people inside of this perspective review as well as a bunch of reviews coming up inside of the two guys talking podcast network Matt's Sovereign Arms is also a sponsor to the upcoming Twenty Four podcast, and thank you so much for that.
2: You're welcome. We're very we, excited. Uh,
0: in the prelude. We'd actually talked about you being a Jack Bauer Twenty Four fan. Are you not? Uh, absolutely. They actually call me <laughs> Matt Bauer. <so. laughs> Matt Bauer. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. You are going to fit all too well both in this perspective review, but then also in the Twenty Four podcast reviews coming up in May, 2014. Cannot wait to have you there as yeah, well. Thank you. We're looking forward to it. A quick little brief detail about yourself, Matt. Tell us who the senior firearms and
2: is what does that actually mean for everybody sure i'm the owner and operator of sovereign arms which is a rather complex actual facility we mm-hmm. have a indoor shooting range there mm-hmm. and a retail store right uh, we're a class three firearms dealer which means that we sell suppressors and short barrel rifles and fully automatic firearms so mm-hmm. we have the ability to do that and then what we're really known for is our training we actually train united states marshal service federal agents Uh, We've trained over 5,000 people there in the past uh, just under five years Mm -hmm. in uh, everything from concealed carry to extremely advanced handgun classes, Mm -hmm. uh, hostage taker shooting. Uh, we actually have uh, tactical carbine classes, uh, right, which are like rifles, mm-hmm. tactical shotgun courses, uh, beginning and advanced classes. And then I personally have done executive protection and bodyguarding as well in uh, Mexico. I've trained police in Estado de Mexico. I've trained uh, executive protection people in Mexico. I enjoy that and uh, as well as uh, working with different law enforcement agencies on, on different projects and counterterrorism things and so yeah. forth. So, and yeah.
0: I, I guess what I really appreciate you being able to provide not just the knowledge of the firearms that we're talking about inside of here but inside of a lot of two guys talking properties we have something called the action busting segments that's where we literally take what you see on the little screen the little hd screen of television but also then inside of the larger screen of feature films and tell you what will happen and what is kind of hollywood bs sure and that's our action busting segments (laughs) Mm -hmm. now of course inside of this movie we're talking about something that is completely imaginary essentially it's computer generated environment so we're not going to focus so much on what can be done with the guns inside of this perspective review of the matrix but inside of our future reviews absolutely when you see the things that are provided inside of real life we're going to call in Matt to come in and bunk a lot of what I think we see on television for sure Scott Matt we've got some quick housekeeping that we're going to take care of the first thing I wanted to talk about was Other perspective reviews over at twoguystalking.com forward slash perspective reviews. Now, Scott and I just finished a great perspective review of, Scott? Independence Day. Independence Day, another giant favorite from back in the 90s that has all kinds of downloads, but also a whole bunch of nostalgia, which all of these films do. That movie also carried through not only a great national holiday, but some great fun science fiction storytelling
3: it's a great mindless park your brain at the door type (laughs) popcorn movie and something we just love to watch
0: yeah are you a big will smith fan matt
2: i do like will smith
0: yeah. yeah yeah and what is your favorite part of that movie I actually
2: haven't seen that movie. You haven't so, seen it. Day? But I do like Will Smith. Okay. Uh, yeah. well, it's something that we're definitely going to have to plan Kind of, kind of more in mm-hmm. The Prince of Bel-Air, you know? No. I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> Sure. But uh, no, I, I did like uh, several of his movies. And what was the movie where everybody died or they turned into zombies? Uh, I Am, am Legend. Legend. I Am mm-hmm. Legend. I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was a good portrayal of him. As well as some show- reasonably real survival skill yeah, sets, and And, too, and yeah. you know, showing, showing compassion, you know, uh-huh. even in the – and that's something we're really about at Sovereign Arms. Like, we train you to where you can defend yourself and take life if you have to. But our slogan is, life is sacred, learn to protect it. And I think... You know somebody that truly understands combative warfare also has to understand how to help people treat people medically uh, as well as uh, have some compassion you know even for your enemies well and
0: it's it's great that you mentioned that because in addition to your giant skill set and knowledge base about firearms it's one of the giant Mm -hmm. reasons you are a piece of what is this review and a lot of what's going to happen inside of two guys talking over the next coming years thank you we look forward it's all too rare frankly there's a difference between teaching someone how to pull a trigger and teaching someone what it means to pull a trigger absolutely any case there's a whole bunch of other great perspective reviews that you can access right now over at twoguystalking.com forward slash perspective reviews the 24 podcast is forthcoming now i know everybody's sick of me talking about it i know but continue to be sick friends because the two guys talking (laughs) 24 podcast is coming back as is jack and i cannot wait i can't wait I I, I am giddy like a schoolboy and I accidentally saw the most recent quote trailer and you know what was great about it? It didn't give me anything.
3: That's good, that's good. It (laughs) just gave me a bunch
0: of reasonably inane action, which I expect inside of 24, and a bunch of showing of Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Bauer. And that's the way
3: way we like the previews, the trailers (laughs) to be. Doesn't give anything away, just a little to give us a a tiny bit of taste to get us excited.
0: A tiny little bit. 24podcast.com is coming back. In the third seat, along with Tony LaVosco and I, is going to be, again, Matt Gummersell from Sovereign Arms to deliver all of the details about the firearms, weaponry, and tactics. Or not. That you see inside of 24, uh, with all of the delicious detail, very much like you're going to get inside of this review, our perspective review of The Matrix. The launch of Two Guys Talking Cars. You know, I think every person, not just guys, but I think every person has a car in mind when you say, what is your favorite car? And a lot of people gravitate towards either the television shows or the movies that they've seen in their life. And I know what mine is. And what is yours, Scott? Mine is
3: Trigger, the 1977 black Pontiac Trans Am driven by the Bandit.
2: That's right. That's a good one. That, that's a great <laughs> one. Matt, you got a favorite car or vehicle? You know, I worked on, I owned a body shop for 22 years. Oh, and yeah? I've just worked on so many cars that I probably don't have a favorite because I like four-wheel drives and I also like... Older Corvettes are pretty neat. Yeah. It's so the, how about the, the uh, how and... about
0: that that P O S truck inside a Lone Wolf McQuaid? with nice like that one? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So that'll be Matt's favorite one,
4: <laughs> and mine.
0: I got to tell you, probably two or three of the Batmobiles would be yeah, my the Batmobiles favorites. Up are in there. very nice. Yes. The uh, the Tumbler is just. Etched in my mind forever. I thought that that was some of the most awesome vehicles ever. Anyway, what we're all talking about here, guys, is the love of vehicles inside of television and movies. And that's what Two Guys Talking Cars is going to be focusing on, bringing you a great giant scope of variety and interest inside of television and movies. That's all car and vehicle related. Look for more about that soon. And you can go to TwoGuysTalkingCars.com right now to read more about that great program coming up. Guys, it's time to get to the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of The Matrix, 1999, directed by the Wachowski brothers. Let's take the blue pill and see what's down the rabbit hole.
1: <laughs> Hello? Do you know who this is? Two Guys Talking The Matrix? Yes. <laughs> ah, hype!
0: Hype! All right, guys, so what do you remember? Where were you when you first saw it?
3: Scott? It was probably something online when I first heard about this. Okay. I don't think there was a whole terribly lot about just what this movie was about. Mm -hmm. To me, it just seemed like another kind of science fiction action movie. I don't know why I was kind of equating it in my mind with Blade way back then. Because mm-hmm. I I kind of heard a little bit about the action and the way when it, the, the, the actors were on the wires and kicking yeah. and martial arts and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember about it.
0: When I, I think because of the people wearing a ton of black leather and long jackets and stuff, I, I can totally see that
4: completely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Matt, what do you remember about the hype about the Matrix? Well, I'm somebody that watches things generally a year after they come out. Sure, it's just because of I'm so busy working, training, doing <laughs> sure. different things. Yeah. But uh, I I actually remember some people from church had watched it Mm -hmm. and kind of had commented to me about, because I had just gotten into the firearms business. And so uh, they were like, take a look at it. So I took a look at it. And uh, I I was really impressed. It is neat to have a virtual you know, because it's limitless of the things that you can do, and, 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 and they <laughs> really did is. that. and then they continued to do that with the other movies, and pretty cool trilogy. The other thing that was that was uh, interesting too was being a Christian was some of the biblical references and the the ideology of yeah. the, the characters and so forth. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the strength of the good against evil, and I'm a real righteousness lawlessness kind of person. Yeah, that's just who I am. Yeah, and so I identified with a lot of that. Made you want to jump in. I mean, it was, it really, you know, made you want to just be involved in that. Could you get into that movie, you know, get into that Matrix on your own? I, yeah. It was a great concept. I, I, mm-hmm. I thought it was a great concept. And really, I think if we look way back to
0: 1999 from now inside of 2014, where social media is rampant and there's hashtag this and let's get on Facebook forward slash whatever to find the details about whatever movie.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: When we look back at this movie, what I remember about the Matrix is what is. TheMatrix.com. It was the very first movie that I remember ever that had that waft of, wait a second, w- what is this? Mm-hmm. Because you'd go to that website and not so strangely, the front end of when we start to learn about what the Matrix really is, there were all these kind of blacked out photos that you couldn't really make any detail out of at the website. And they would keep releasing more as the movie came to fruition. Mm. And so if you at all paid attention to the internet back then, and back then in 1999 and 1998 into 1999... Not everybody had all kinds of interest in, you know, hours upon hours upon hours in front of a tablet or in front of a laptop because they weren't all that available back. Then. I
3: guess a smaller percentage of the population had desktop computers. Right. And they might go to Entertainment Weekly their website or Ain't It Cool News. Yeah. I think that was new, fairly new back then.
0: Yeah, uh, the gist though is that there was no cellular movement. We know that from the phones that we actually see inside the matrix. Mm-hmm. But there was no mobile movement mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. And so if you try to imagine that, again, everybody imagine what you're doing right now, either listening to us on your phone, probably, or on your tablet, or via your laptop. Imagine if all that was not there. Well, how would you be listening to us? And the answer is you'd be looking at a screen and inside of the screen is what? The Matrix. So again, it had a completely different flair way back then And that whatisthematrix.com is still available, by the way. You all can go there right now and we'll include that inside the show notes for this episode as well. But it's completely different than what it was back then, and it was a transition point inside of what was supposed to be the first ebbs of social media. Really, really interesting stuff. That's where we ask you guys, what do you guys remember about the hype from The Matrix? Let us know what you think by going over to our website, that's twoguystalking.com, the number Two 2guysTalking.com. Click on the contact button on the top right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and let us know what you thought about the hype about The Matrix. And then quick, guys. Uh, Matt, where did you – you said you saw it later. Was much that, later. Much later, okay. Yeah. So,
2: Sometimes I don't watch stuff for two, three years. Sure. I mean, it's you, – You, frankly, I'm are just, a
0: perfect customer for two guys talking because we don't talk about movies for about that long. Okay. <laughs> so, or longer sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, the sample is The Matrix. Sure. We're talking about a movie that came out in 1999, and it's 2014. Sure.
3: Scott? Me, I did not see this in a the theater. I kind of waited it. It kind of got my interest a little bit, but mm-hmm. not compelling enough to where I would say to my then wife, I was married back then, honey, hey, let's go out and see this. It was more of those, eh, I guess we'll kind of wait till it's out on VHS. Mm-hmm. And I think we had VHS back then. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was right before DVD. Wow. But when we rented it, it's like, Wow. This was a good movie. We need to go buy this. Yeah. I remember buying a copy and just watching it over and over and over. It yeah. just so many of those themes and little pieces and bits of it, it just got so much richer and more detailed the more often you watch it.
2: Yeah. I I, totally I, I agree with that. that. It's uh, extremely detailed and and you watch it over and over and You know, you you pick up things uh, that you might have missed, and the nuances exactly, and you know different subtle hidden things, and it's neat to be able to go back over that and to have it and almost study it. Of course, from my perspective with the training and you know the action, uh, right? To to watch that and see, my wife gets. Like whenever we watch anything gun related I'm, I'm criticizing the tactical stuff all the time like, you know, oh yeah stand in front of the freaking window that's great be sure to
0: use the wood structure as cover that's a great idea right, yeah, right. that's great stuff uh, I remember going to see this movie first I was over at my Aunt Cack's house with my dad and this turned into a let's get the hell out of Aunt Cack's house so we don't murder people <laughs> so just to get away from family and so we went and watched a movie with a bunch of people murdering people so that was awesome uh, anyway it was at the end of when this was out so it would have been the fourth or fifth week after it was released and I was not taken with this movie interesting I I, I was it was uh, you know go grab some popcorn Mm -hmm. sit and watch it and get done and it wasn't until it came out on DVD and and then Blu-ray that I really started to get it because I went and bothered to listen to all the commentary tracks that are on this specific DVD in particular Mm -hmm. and that's when my love of the behind the scenes stuff this how special effects are done all of that stuff blossomed and it really did help compel me to eventually make the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network.
2: I think too, it was really ahead of its time with some of the like he had Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where they were running on the rooftops and mm-hmm. so forth, but mm-hmm. Matrix just took that to you know a whole nother level. Completely different. And and, and all the effects of the jumping up and down and the slow motion and yeah. the, you know the multi-level engagement yeah. uh, was superbly done.
0: Yeah. We'll definitely jump into more of the effects as we get into the perspective review of the
1: Matrix. Hello? Do you know who this is? Two Guys Talking, The Matrix?
0: Yes. (sighs) The Money! Scott, we talk about a lot of movies here at Two Guys Talking, and most of them are the corn combines of cash. That usually flow through the big screen theaters. And this was no exception at all. Do you have any idea at all what the domestic take was for this film? The domestic take was $171 million. $171 million. That's a ton of money. You yeah, know what's it, a
3: bigger it, ton of money? The worldwide gross.
0: It's actually the foreign gross is what we're going to talk about next. And it's $292 million. So, dude, another $120 million more million overseas for this film. I mean, just huge, compelling buckets of money. And then, of course, $464 million worldwide. Again, another corn combine of cash from 1999,
3: The Matrix. Well, yeah. And with a production budget of $63 million, this completely made not only the production budget, the marketing budget back. Oh, yeah. And just with all kinds of surplus left over. Hand over over fist, which of course means
0: what, Matt? Profits. Prophets and sequels. sequels, right. yes. sequels in right. fact, there were two sequels, is what this was built into, which we'll also talk about later inside the review in the negative section.
3: Yeah. And just a gross like this, without any, I guess, preconceived ideas, this was not an already established tentpole. Nothing. Of, uh, of anything. There mm-hmm. wasn't a big, giant book like The Hunger Games was out. For this movie to be this big, not only that, it was rated R, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and
0: a hard R. I mean, it doesn't get much harder R than what we see inside the matrix yeah i mean the vast
3: majority of blockbusters nowadays are (laughs) pg-13 yeah so a a nice hard arm movie to make this much money yeah it just tells you how popular it was Yeah.
1: hello do you know who this is two guys talking the matrix yes
4: (sighs) oh good
0: Every movie that we review has a bunch of good. This one, in particular, however, has a ton of good. The concept of hackers. Identity theft made real. Now, in this age of... And there are no sponsors to us, so I don't really care. LifeLock, all the other services that you can get. We understand the concept and really the folly of not making sure your identity is not stolen. We know it's important. Mm -hmm. It, It could never be more important. However, back then... That was just coming to the forefront of identity theft and electronic identity theft. And this movie is able to convey the concept of hackers where it becomes way more real life than somebody sitting down and hacking the planet like in inside of today's The Following when we watch it on television, <laughs> where you're able to watch a dude or dudette sit down and in 30 seconds, ding, something good happens. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's not how hacker stuffs work. And a lot of the things and and ideas and concepts represented inside this movie are a stacking, ironically, into the more real of where hackers and people that want to do identity theft and make fake IDs, you see a lot of the concepts inside of this movie that are strangely more structured towards the real life than not. And in the '90s, there were
3: all kinds of hacker movies with oh, the internet and you know, cyber this and cyber that. Hollywood got so yeah. much of it just blatantly wrong. Yeah, it shows so stupid.
0: Johnny Mnemonic is another one that, that Keanu <laughs> yeah. Reeves was involved in, and it is it's hilarity. <laughs> I, I, I realize that they're they're telling you at the beginning, during the throughout the movie, that hey, this is hilarity, knock knock knock. But comparing the two, I don't even know that I can. Johnny Mnemonic was ridiculous. There's another one I believe it was called Hackers.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. back
0: then with Angelina Jolie as super young Angelina Jolie and that movie as well it's where everybody pulled around one person that was sitting at a keyboard and hacked the planet Woo, yeah! <laughs> it, that's not it <laughs> even in the, the most dark tunnel right now inside of hackerdom oh, that ain't it it's something way more commonplace it's someone sitting at a stack of computers very much like Neo was where there's a mostly dark screen with some text on it and things are happening <laughs> as opposed to the the things that were happening inside of hackers.
3: Well, exactly. It's most of those movies Hollywood didn't even think of computers. as they just went to the graphics <laughs> department. Hey, could you just make it look like this for our story? Yeah, just make uh, it fit the movie.
0: Generated rainbow field, ready go. But this <laughs> this is <laughs> right.
3: you know halfway approaching realism here. Yeah. Now I know not every tiny little thing you know all the code used in the screenshots. I'm sure if you looked up close, probably isn't accurate. Right. But finally, they were kind of looking as the hacker community yeah. as something legitimate.
0: Yeah, the, the, the piece where Neo is taken in by the agents originally is also something that has become now commonplace. Mm-hmm. People that are arrested and taken into custody, they now have that entire script ready to read because they know what they can and they know what they can't do and they know what they're not going to get busted for. And they're happy to read it off and flip the bird to everybody else that wants to pay attention to them. That piece of this movie is extraordinary. I think the entire Push of the movie through to that point is mm-hmm. really, really good. And then it just gets off on this wonderful tangent right there. And it's just, it's, it's ecstatic. It's great stuff. The costuming. Now, obviously, uh, what are there? A thousand different costume changes inside this movie. Between what is our blue pill world and the red pill world, the costuming is extraordinary. Where you go from this city that kind of looks like what we're in right now. You know, kind of kind of tech and comfortable and regular colors and blue skies to what happens outside of the Matrix. The entire costuming wrong is just exquisite inside of this movie.
3: And you see people in tattered old clothing. Of course there's, you know, not textiles and just factories everywhere mass producing clothing. It's hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Holes and just stains. And this is something I actually noticed and mm-hmm. thought, well, yeah. They wouldn't just have nice, clean clothing. Yeah. It's another thing that the producers of this movie really paid attention to.
0: Yeah. The other one that gets me always is the agents and that they are so square. You know, mm-hmm. there are edges every inch and a half or so inside of every single agent, even their faces. They have made it so that all of those actors had some sort of detail that made it mesh into what their outfits were. It was just, it's it's, it's exquisite stuff. Very
3: angular looking in uh, a way.
0: Superbly angular, from the the cut of Morpheus's jacket to the the outfits that they're wearing when they're sparring inside of the dojo, Mm -hmm. to Trinity and Neo on top of the building when they take off in the helicopter and then crash the helicopter. Everything inside of here is just exquisite, where you can take a picture inside of every frame of the movie, no matter where it is, and marvel. At something very much like many of the Spielberg movies that we love to review. Mm -hmm. You can stop this movie anywhere and it's a picture to be seen. The guns. Now we have a dude in the studio that we actually brought in to talk about nothing but the guns. And I'm so glad that you're here, Matt, because you're going to be able to provide so much more detail than I know Scott and I can. We can look at the guns all day long and they kind of look, I I think I might know a little bit more. Yeah, (laughs) I might know a little bit more about guns than Scott does, but not a whole lot. And that's why having you here to talk about the different guns that I remember, and Scott remembers from this movie in particular, is going to be awesome. <laughs> Trend blowing through the window, rolling down the stairs, ending face up with dual handguns. Beretta 84FS Cheetahs. Dude. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes inside of this movie. It's, it's almost an extraneous scene where she rolls forward and somehow she ends up facing backwards with these two guns drawn. And it is another piece of exquisite inside this movie.
3: It's such a great scene because, you know, those agents are hot on her heels. You feel that peril, that fear that they're always going to be right behind you. Yeah. And just that scene, she's ready for it as she rolls down the stairs and just whoops
0: around real quick
3: and And, aims those guns.
0: What I love about this whole movie, not just this scene, is that there's a whole lot of this that really kind of shouldn't work. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference because up to this point, you've already seen all this fantastic stuff. Trinity's walking around a wall like Mm Spider-Man and then she's doing these massive jumps and then she does this superwoman dive through a window and it blows right by you because of the pacing inside of the movie. And so you don't care that she just made this ridiculous jump through this tiny little window, fell down the stairs, she's not injured and she's got guns trained ready to shoot someone. I Mm -hmm. love
2: that. And again, the guns. Tell us about the guns, Matt. Well, sure. The guns that she drew, the 84 FS, it's a 380 made by Beretta, 380 mm-hmm. caliber, mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit smaller than their normal uh, military issue, the Beretta 92, which was the 9mm standard issue for a lot of the Army that were in Afghanistan and, and Iraq. I mm, okay. um, actually have friends that uh, did not like that gun. It did not perform well in a, in a sand environment. Sure. So excellent gun. But in that environment, didn't do real well. Sure, but um, flying
0: through a window through the air, shooting at digital agents, man, kicking it is right. It, it
2: works great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now, when I look at a scene like that, and again, I totally agree. It's like that born alternative type of thing where the camera's just following, and you're jumping through the window, and you yeah. you know you know that the agents are on your trail, and you feel it. You feel the pulse of it, and it's exciting to see the jump and to see her go through. And of course, she's attractive and the leather and everything. It's very exciting. Yeah. And then you see the guns come out, but the caliber choice. It's just ridiculous, <laughs> you know. Uh, so uh, we, we you how, know.
0: how much stuff I I have a I have a 357 that also takes 380 cartridges. I think. Is uh,
2: 38 special. A 38 special. Right. And so the stopping power of those guns in well, general. Sure. So here oh, so. You, you have on a 380 caliber. Uh, it, it's also uh, referred to as a Browning nine millimeter short or a 9mm Kurtz, which is German for short. And okay. so what they did is they took a 9mm bullet, which is generally a 115-grain bullet, and they cut the casing down, and then they'll put a... 85 grain bullet, pretty close something to that, uh, in a shorter case, and that's the 380. Good concealed carry gun, maybe a good backup gun, but for a primary carry, a 380 caliber is probably not the best caliber. Now, will it stop somebody? Yes, with certain defensive ammunition and, and well placed shots and mm-hmm. so forth, mm-hmm. but anytime that you, you limit size, you're reducing your capacity generally, and okay. you're also generally reducing your caliber size. Now, what we teach people in our classes is, and this is kind of an umbrella rule, but choose the largest caliber firearm that you can comfortably and accurately shoot in the smallest frame size that you can easily conceal for your normal mode of dress. Okay. All right. So that's kind of the umbrella rule. So, now, so
0: for Scott's tight black leather outfit that he'd be wearing, exactly, he probably
2: would not choose. You, you might print with that 357 Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a 357 Magnum in your pants there? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you had mentioned the 357. Mm-hmm. So while we train a lot of women at Sovereign Arms, and uh, you know, uh, Are you even, to say, e- man? even smaller, uh, yes, uh, we'll train military, <laughs> but even smaller statured man. Could probably shoot, say, a six-inch barreled three fifty seven Magnum, and, and it's yeah. it's going to have some recoil to it. It's you know it's a very fast-moving trajectory. It has a lot of power, stopping power, but still probably could handle it using two hands on, and mm-hmm. a proper grip. Yeah. But if you take that six-inch barrel and you choke it down to you know an inch and seven eighths or a two-inch barrel, suddenly you've created a radial arc of kinetic energy that's just amazing. And when you shoot that gun. You know, I'm I'm a pretty big guy. I'm six foot two twenty five. Mm-hmm. And I would not want to shoot a two inch snub nose three fifty seven Magnum over and over for an hour. I mm-hmm. mean that would not be pleasant. Sure. But it would be a fantastic firearm and even in comparison to the three eighty, mm-hmm. that force of that three fifty seven Magnum uh, coming out of a two-inch barrel would be amazing stopping power, and yeah. so in the movie the agents obviously have fifty-caliber. Yeah, I think we're getting. <laughs> Which you are gonna but, get to them right. Right, you know, to go against that with the 380 and the, the short barrel, the limited magazine capacity. you know, it's an up close and personal defensive system. Yeah. Is, is well, really what and
0: I for, think so. the bottom line here is that one, the gun is named the Cheetah. So, wow, that's awesome, sexy. Mm -hmm. Two, you have a deliciously sexy woman holding it. Of course. And so it made sense when they looked at the row of guns and go, how about two of those? It's clear (laughs) to me that's exactly the decision that was made. But, man, awesome detail, Matt. The Agent's Desert Eagle. For those of you who aren't familiar with what the Desert Eagle is, it's that big whopping handgun that
2: all the agents have inside of this movie. And it is a huge one, is it not, Matt? It is. It's a it's a, a amazing piece of artistry, really, as mm-hmm. far as weaponry. You know, the Israeli uh, agents use those, and they actually, when they carry them, they don't carry one in the chamber, and they're taught to actually rack the slide. And the way their holsters are made, they rack the slide on the draw. Wow. And we don't train like that. I always train to keep one in the chamber, but they do, and they're they're really good at it, and they and they and they train like that. It is 50 caliber A and E bullet. Which is just massive, uh, you know. The 45 caliber, which is what I carry, is uh, it's 45 hundredths of an inch. That's mm-hmm. how you get that. Or a 380, as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. it's 380 thousandths. Or a 38 special is 38 hundredths. Or a nine millimeter is actually nine millimeters. So you've got a bullet that's half an inch.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: When you talk about bullet expansion, when the bullet actually penetrates ballistic gel, or you know, if you're hunting or in, in a defensive situation, mm-hmm. the expansion of that bullet can generally be up to about 75% uh, of the original size of the bullet. So Mm -hmm. now you're talking about maybe an inch and a quarter actual wound channel that's irregular and just – it's devastating. Mm -hmm. You could shoot a huge animal with that firearm – and
0: do massive damage I exactly mean, it, it, yes. it, it, it's, it, it's
2: incredible yeah so. it, it is you know it's the it's the version of the walking tank there's, there's no doubt about that it's it's definitely amazing uh firearm um, the other thing is it's almost eight pounds mm-hmm. and uh, there's not a lot of people that can wield it properly and shoot it properly um it has it uh, has a lot of recoil again i'm a pretty big guy um, and, I, and I can shoot it. The way the action cycles and the way that they've designed the felt muzzle recoil to mm-hmm. be dispersed mm-hmm. through the gun is the engineering is fantastic. I mean, I, my hat's off to... Uh, the Israeli people I mean they're just amazing as far as their technology and weaponry and so forth and their tactics and training yeah so uh actually trained uh, with some of them, some counterterrorism stuff uh, last summer it was mm-hmm. just fantastic but yeah it's it's an amazing gun and, now, a, uh, a friend of
0: mine in fact it's the mm-hmm. uh, the co-host of two guys talking com. Uh, his name is Ron Ryling and Ron Ryling was telling me today that he has an american made Fifty caliber Desert Eagle. Can you tell
2: me the difference between what the two of those would be? The Israeli one, I believe, has a heavier barrel. I know that they have, obviously, different finishes. They have chrome and black and different things. But I think when they got to the American one is where they more modernized the different finishes. I think the Israeli standard is... Uh, it's a heavier barrel. It's more like a Glock, like it's just a duty weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it I'm comes in that black that man, finish. A desert
0: so. Eagle is a duty weapon. Man.
2: It is. Wow. That's, that's what they just carry. Just amazing. That's what the Israeli uh, yep, military is. Their, that's their primary carry.
0: Micro Uzis. Delish. <laughs> 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 what else can I say about micro Uzis? Because Uzis aren't cool enough. They have to make the micro-Uzi. And I can remember vividly back in the 80s watching Miami Vice episodes and some little Asian dude whip out an Uzi and it would just be all kinds of awesome for (laughs) what would would seem like at least 35, 40 seconds as the dude was shooting it in slow-mo. When in reality, magazine's gone pretty quick, isn't it,
2: Matt? Extremely fast. Actually, 30-round magazine and a full auto disbursement. Uh, is about three seconds, less, yeah, <laughs> even less than that in some some models. So, then,
0: then again, when we get back to the, the what happens real on set in regard to especially a movie like this, when they're blowing through the little mini Uzi magazines, man, I, I, I'm just like you know, brip brip, and that would be done. about it. And, and, it, and, you know, and yeah. the
2: effectiveness of shooting all that in slow motion is that you're able to draw out what you're seeing, you know, as, as slow as you want to make it, yeah. because mm-hmm. in reality it's just a blip. Yeah, it's I mean literally thirty rounds in two or three seconds, and it's just done.
0: Again, going to YouTube and watching what is people firing a a full auto Uzi, whether it's the little mini one like we're talking here or the you know full function is. Gone in an instant. And so imagining that inside of the set of the movie of The Matrix, man, I can just imagine the the firearm wrangler for that film having just a ton of fun, just refilling the micro Uzis inside that movie. Well, just
3: imagine a budget allocated just to that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is it more expensive to get... Uh, blanks for movies well, to? i'm sure you I'm, so? I'm sure absolutely uh, i mean just the blanks that we sell and we don't sell a lot of blanks mm-hmm. uh, uh sold very few actually in the mm-hmm. past five years but we've had certain occasions where somebody's doing uh, some type of play or you know where they they needed that mm-hmm. and uh, they're extremely expensive compared mm-hmm. to normal ammunition of course you have to check i mean that's we're all about safety and mm-hmm. just just to give a little plug for safety I mean, sure, i'm not yeah. sure these guys are Pretty thorough, but, I mean, like you had uh, Bruce Lee's son died in The Crow, you Mm -hmm. know, from onset tragedy Mm -hmm. where they didn't check the ammunition and the weapons. Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with that – uh, I mean, these weapons are, they're fully functional. Mm-hmm. And if if you put the wrong ammunition, um, somebody's going to get killed. Yeah, And and so. Well, and know, in particular, just, we're talking about the scenes that are depicted inside of something like ab- The Matrix. Absolutely. absolutely. And, yeah. you know, so when you're going over that, I, you know, I'm sure they do weapons checks and bullet checks mm-hmm. right before they hand somebody a firearm. I can't imagine how long it would take to prep for some of those scenes. You mm-hmm. know, it would probably take all day. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. oh, something I, that happens in probably 15 minutes. Yeah. I, I
0: don't doubt that between all the squib work that was not computer generated and, and all of the damage that needs to be showcased inside of something like the matrix easily hours, if not entire days of prep, yeah. no doubt about that. Heckler and Koch MP5K. Matt, uh, let's hear
2: it. The Heckler and Koch is a German company. Mm-hmm. They also make Jack Bauer's gun, by the way. Uh, they do. Uh, the H and K and, uh, excellent firearms uh, as, as far as the quality and yes Jack Bauer does uh, carry his H&K and mm-hmm. I, I like the firearm um, do you by chance have Jack's gun I don't and, what? and here's what? why the, who
0: are you the drawback where's I Matt Gummerson? he's <laughs> clearly I, I, not here in this room
2: the, 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 the only drawback and it's not it's a personal preference thing it uh-huh. has nothing to do with the quality of H&K excellent firearms mm-hmm. uh, double action single action guns um, very very reliable very durable I am not a fan of what they call a double action trigger pull so that now we're talking about pistols now we're not talking about the mp5s just so just so to Mm -hmm. clarify for the audience so a double action gun means that you can start the gun off with one in the chamber and a full magazine with the hammer in the down position basically like a double action revolver safety can be on or off it really doesn't matter because it's going to take an extremely long first pull on that trigger to actually cycle and cock the hammer all the way back and then release the hammer. So double action just simply means that the pulling of the trigger completes two actions. It both cocks and releases the hammer, whether you're dealing with a semi-automatic or a revolver. And I am a person, the way I train, the way I shoot, I like a very crisp, short, meaty, very responsive trigger pull. Now, the one thing about the double action is after you get past that first long trigger pull, then it does go to single action where the pulling of the trigger completes one action, the releasing of the hammer and on a semi-automatic pistol or firearm, the action is cycling backwards and forwards and each time you pull the trigger, uh, the gas that's generated from the dispersion of the projectile and and the gunpowder burning off then pushes the action back, cycles a new cartridge into the chamber and then you can fire again if you want to. Right, Right. so on the MP5, it's a very short... And they were actually uh, designed to be fully automatic. We actually did a transfer. As I said earlier, we do uh, class three weapons and we can do some full autos. And we have one client uh, that had a MP5 9mm transferred. And the gun alone for a actual full auto version of that gun, $20,000 wow. for that gun. Wow. They're amazing. Well, and, and they, for that
0: much money, they should be amazing. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, you know, the Germans, kind of their guns are like their cars. I mean, they really know what they're doing. They did great. Great work, just flawless, and and the design super light, super easy to handle, and they're really designed for like executive protection work, um, PSD details, of dignitaries and and you know officials, government officials, bodyguarding, executive protection type situation because it can be worn on a single point sling and hidden under a suit coat, but then uh, brought to the ready extremely fast, very accurate. But again, thirty round magazine. Well, actually, I think they're twenty five round magazines on the nine millimeter, mm-hmm. and I mean you zip through them. Really fast. Well, sure. I, I, I might be wrong on that, but they're uh, they're thirty or twenty five.
0: One thirty rounds in just about anything. If anybody shot, especially at a range, in a range situation where you're just trying to get the the best shots that you can, sure, you blow through twenty five rounds and nothing. It, it goes through quick.
2: You can absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yay for scorpions with a K. Dude, tell us about the scorpions. Uh, Easily one of the best, most awesomeest. <laughs> Guns
2: represented inside <laughs> the matrix, just great stuff. The 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 scorpion is actually a thirty two ACP round, and it's it's very likened to the, uh, the Uzi uh, mm-hmm. or the H and K. You know, I mean, is it the same class of gun? It's just a different maker.
0: Is that what we're looking at or no?
2: Well. No, it's no. It, when you say class. As far as style, being a compact semi-automatic Uzi, mm-hmm. if you will, style, mm-hmm. very similar, mm-hmm. uh, but not the same gun. And and you know, huge difference would be the the actual uh, caliber. Mm-hmm. Now you can get into technicalities of what they call like blowback operating systems uh, versus a recoil operating system. I would imagine that they're all. Uh, blowback operated just from the gas is cycling the the actual bolt on these, um, and that the barrel is fixed. so the barrel doesn't actually move. like on a pistol, you have a recoil operation where the barrel and the slide move backwards just a little bit. Mm-hmm. and then the then the slide actually, uh, goes and cycles all the way back, and if you ever see an unloaded pistol on these new semi-automatics, the barrel's cocked up like mm-hmm. that when the slides all the right, way back, right. and it looks weird. Yeah. But what's happening is, is it, it can't move linearly, and, and both of them stay on that same plane exactly. The barrel will come back just a little bit, and then it unlocks from the breech. And the slide goes all the way back. Hmm. So I would, I would imagine that, that these are blowback operated where the barrel's fixed, you know, and it's just the, the bolt is cycling and being blown back from the gas pressure. Yeah. But to answer your question, are they the same class? I guess, you know, maybe it's some semantics, but they're very similar in, in size and weight and so forth. Uh, but the actual Scorpion is a thirty two ACP, and I think in the movie they actually had a little faux pas where, I don't know if it was this particular gun or if it was on the um, on the Uzi, but the shells that were falling weren't 9mm or thirty two ACP. They were actually like 5.56 five, rounds from an AR-15 mm. that the shells were falling, not the round, but the actual yeah. shell, well, made, spent shell casings. Yeah when you read some of the blogs on it, you know, they picked up on that. And sure. people, oh, people yeah. that were watching were yeah. like, uh, Oh, that wasn't the right shells that were falling." Yeah. So when
0: well, again, that's what I love about the advent of Blu-ray and being able to stop and zoom in and right. yeah, completely destroy everything that is the vital nature <laughs> of what, what we're watching. Really? It goes in there and just destroys the virtual reality movie. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> but, but it's awesome. And again, the, the scorpions inside this are easily one of my favorite guns. The Spaz 12. Scott, I often call you a Spaz, but you're not nearly as awesome and sexy, in particular inside of Trinity's hands, as the Spaz 12. No, oh, gee, thanks. Brian. You're welcome, no problem. It's, a, it's actually pronounced Spaz. Spaz? It's, it's spaz,
3: oh, okay,
4: okay.
0: Well, you're also well, a Spaz
2: as
4: I'm
3: a sexy gun now. <laughs> so tell
2: us about the Spaz. Uh, the Spaz twelve gauge is actually a really neat gun, uh, and it's it's an Italian made uh, semi-automatic. Now the Italians are famous for some of their clay shooting, you know, mm-hmm. t- type of shotguns, and they just make exquisite firearms uh, in that regard too. Um, but the Spaz was their the, a tactical uh, shotgun. And um, it was really ahead of its time for the way it was designed mm-hmm. um, and, and the gas operation on it and the way it cycles. It actually could be fired in, uh, like, a full auto mode. Wow. And then, it, and then it could be fired in, like, a select, basically, semi-auto, if you will. Yeah. And so we have a shotgun instructor at Sovereign Arms who was the CERT law enforcement uh tactical instructor for a a prison here in Missouri for Mm -hmm. like nine years and excellent uh, Buzzo's a great check and instructor and we had one of these come into the store now they don't make them anymore and they won't import them anymore from what I understand and so if you find one that's in a good condition they go for about twelve hundred dollars oh wow and uh they're just a really neat gun now you're not going to find one full auto so anything that was imported unless you you got the actual stamp and paid like the guy did on the uzi that we were talking about earlier um it, it would be upwards of probably twelve or $15,000 to get a full auto wow. spas. So.
0: so this isn't the gun that I would just be casually dropping on the ground like Trinity did then,
2: right? <laughs> exactly, at the end of the thing. And I, even <laughs> when I was going through the notes for the show, I'm like, you know, gosh, you threw that on the ground. You know, like That's something that's, I hate that's
3: in a TV spa, movies in right. general. Right. Oh, it's out of bullets. We'll just toss it aside. We don't need oh, it. Oh, it's, it's just
2: like
0: all of the awesome cars that you see destroyed in films. It's like, I'm so hoping that's a kid <laughs> car because yep. what
2: the hell? <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually in real life, I mean, when you run out of bullets, um, you, you take the gun and use it as a club. I mean, that's oh, yeah. really mm-hmm. what you do. You start throwing it or swinging it or, yeah. Uh, well, she didn't you, need you, to cause
0: she had seven or eight different other guns in her pocket. E- exactly. so she was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But her disarming this dude, grabbing the gun, shooting the guy, emptying the gun and then casually dropping it. And then the little boot squeak. And then casually walking away is one of the most sexy pieces of this movie ever. It,
2: it, it really is, and she has a confidence. In, you know, it's almost kind of nonchalant as she turns around, and walks away, but it's like the job's done. Now moving on. Yes, you know. So. Uh,
0: and again, that's a, a lot of in particular the scene that we're referring to is just that where it's doing the job, and then oh yeah, pardon me while I cartwheel dance around bullets real quick, and then do some more of the job. Right. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the elevator slash hallway scene with the pillars is just beyond awesome yep the gem 134 minigun there's no way to have a tv or movie review when a minigun is used and not mention it and so please regale matt the m134 minigun you Mm -hmm. have 10 inside of your your store obviously Uh, no one attached to your truck i
2: don't Uh, i wish on your helicopter (laughs) i wish i did i wish i had the, the helicopter um I have never, and it's actually something I'd love to do. um, Mm -hmm. I've never been able to fire a large, fully automatic weapon like that, Mm -hmm. or you know, like the Gatling gun. Sure, And, and so
0: sure. I'm sure it's a bucket list thing yeah, for every it, every it dude, is. isn't, and, and, isn't it? You know, they have yeah.
2: really neat stuff like that. They have machine gun shoots in Las Vegas and, mm-hmm. and you know Nevada and different places. Um, y- you see those uh, used things like that used in helicopters, and you could just even you know imagine that we, we have kind of going back to like the compassion issue, mm-hmm. the actual capability of the devastation of what that gun can do uh, for the movie. I believe they did it at half speed, mm-hmm. um, but it can. Oh, do so like you could 8, actually see rounds. the chug. Yeah, yeah, it could do like yeah. eight thousand rounds a, mi- a minute mm-hmm. i mean that's just that's disgusting i mean it really <laughs> it's is beyond it's, disgusting. It's, 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 it's unreal and and in real life i mean what that could do in flying over and and putting down suppression fire protective fire or even just in a situation where it would be called for to just devastate or obliterate enemy troops would would be just un- unreal i mean yeah. it'd be devastating Imagine the carnage of, of yeah. what that could do yeah and so you know you have to like i do this for a living and so again, you know, our perspective is is we look at things like, hey, do anything you can do to not take life. You know, we want to try to teach you that. Mm-hmm. But then there's a time to do that. And certainly in the movie, there was a place for that. But it was also, you know, like the reality of shooting into there where Morpheus is sitting there and <laughs> you know, all the glass <laughs> yeah. that would have been flying and then, yeah. you know, and, and, and of course it's a virtual thing, but that, you know, the agents are still surviving through that. Mm-hmm. Um, no real human being would probably live through an assault from that gun at that close of a distance right take
3: out the whole floor let alone just that one room and i and
2: and i believe also that um the i was reading something on the in the notes about uh they had to be careful even with the blanks on the amount of gas pressure that was coming out of the gun you know even the fake glass that it wouldn't blow back and hit the actors because of the pressure Mm -hmm. you know it's just amazing the force of what was coming out of the front of that gun um and you know they they have them in helicopters. They they're liquid cooled. The technology of what we have is it's devastating. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's scary. Uh, on on some of the technology that we have in the firearms that we have now. So, yeah,
0: when I, yeah. I've actually seen this or a light gun fired at your standard pace inside of several television shows, mm-hmm. and it, it it looks like you're watching water. That that's how quickly and smoothly the whole thing is going uh, and the sound it, is
3: such a blur too
0: it, it, it literally is just it never stops yeah it's that same groan the only time it stops is when you've got to refill whatever the massive cartridge set is for it yeah uh, again very often they'll show them where there are tracer bullets and mm-hmm. i've forgotten what the standard put a tracer in count is but it literally is a pole of light It's coming out of the gun. It's not a, oh, look at the brakes every
2: six bullets.
0: You don't see anything. It is a beam of light coming out of the side of a helicopter, and it is... It is it's, just it's, massive. It's, it's
2: awesome, and it's, it's devastating. It's scary. It's all these things at one time. I mean, yeah. it, it,
0: it's funny that you mentioned the minigun, because we talk about the minigun inside of our Terminator 2 review as well, because as everyone remembers, Arnold walking around with that in his sure. hand, plowing through some cop cars. And inside of that as well, that was also cranked down because James Cameron said that y- you, you can't tell what he's doing. The the cartridges are coming out of the out of the gun too fast. You can't tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. So again, they halved the speed on that. And again, the setup for that inside of special effects, dump, especially back when Terminator Two was filmed, is something extraordinary because you can imagine the waste that was laid just the the cinematic Hollywood waste that was laid inside of Terminator 2, much less what would be real waste laid.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, The the other thing I always want to mention, too, is that, remember, you can listen to all of our Terminator reviews, whether it's the reviews of all of the movies, current and past, but also the Terminator Saracana Chronicles review. Each and every episode, that series on Fox is also available for review over at
2: terminatorpodcast.com. Tons of fun. Uh, one thing i was just going to quickly mention too is um to think about the weight of actually how much ammunition is dispersed through this gun uh and and it certainly is a factor especially in an aircraft mm-hmm. so if you think eight thousand rounds a minute uh and a thousand rounds of let's, say, let's just say 50 caliber i mean you and i couldn't probably pick that up together no, no. It's, <laughs> it's just massive no. yeah and so you know you couple that with Dispersing the weight evenly in a in a helicopter situation, so it flies properly and so forth, uh, and and the brass flying. I mean, that's just it's, it's amazing to think about what it takes to put this <laughs> weapon on board a helicopter. Yeah, uh, yeah the, and, and I think add, the other
0: place that I've seen it is attached to essentially a Humvee, sure, with uh, the the circle the circle on turret, the turret on the top. Mm, yeah. yeah,
2: and that that's pretty normative, mm-hmm. uh, or or 50, uh, fifty caliber machine gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the weight of that in a, in a helicopter is just, you know, it's just devastating. It's it's all, it's amazing. It's just uh, amazing. I couldn't (laughs) put it, I couldn't put it better.
3: Or have it attached to Jesse the Body Ventura. He could <laughs> hold it.
0: <laughs> inside of our Predator review. Yes.
3: <laughs> Too funny that you mentioned that as
0: well, because we did. We went back and reviewed the original Predator with, again, Arnold Schwarzenegger from 1986. You can listen to that right now as well by going over to twoguystalking.com forward slash Predator and listen to all the awesomeness inside of there.
2: Yeah, lots of cool weaponry in that movie
0: Oh yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. And so that's where we ask you guys, what was your favorite firearm inside of The Matrix, 1999, directed by the Wachowski Brothers? Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash the number two guys talking and strike up a new thread and tell us which gun was your favorite from The Matrix. The special effects. Where do we start, guys? Well, it's actually easy. Where we're going to start is... Going from real to unreal to asking what is real back and forth.
3: And this is where it gets really nuanced. Really? And the, totally.
0: more, the more you watch totally. it, the I guess easier it is to kind of figure this out. It, it becomes very much like, imagine the first drink of whatever soda pop is now your soda pop of choice. And try and remember back to the very first taste of that soda pop. This is after you're a, like a 12-pack in. That's what I get now from it, and then I get something else from it, like some refreshment, or I have it in a super chilled glass, and it tastes a little bit different. That's what I get from The Matrix now. But when I first tasted The Matrix, eh, it's a cold drink. And then that nuance started to spill on to me, especially with the religious references. Mm-hmm. It's something that really started to get
2: to me mm-hmm. yeah. A point uh, well, as the other movies rolled bit, yeah. through as, uh, in particular. Yeah, well, you're a pretty analytical guy. Just you know, the short time that I've known you, and so I think I think you like all the behind the scenes kind of stuff. Oh and yeah, hashing yeah. it and going back over it, and so for me it's almost overload. I mean, you you are bombarded with so much stuff. Yeah, you can look at something like I, I painted cars for 22 years, and I did cars that we had hundreds of hours in, and just you know show cars, and you know you cut the car in half, you had the engine out, the cradle out, you know, and you put it back together, and it's a sixteenth of an inch, you know. It, it takes a lot of skill to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. But the guy that looks at the car that just sees the shiny, wet looking paint and, hey, that's a really neat car, it's almost like you can gloss over it. You know, or you can go to a car show and look at something and go, well, that's really cool. And then what's the next thing? And I think even as a society that a lot of times we're we're confronted with things in our life and we just absolutely don't take the time to try to understand it or appreciate it or have no idea, you know, what went into it. And this is a movie that you can, and, and the whole trilogy, but you can go back and you can just watch and. Play it on Blu-ray and look at the behind-the-scenes, and I love doing that with 24. Sorry, I had to get that in. But <laughs> Another I know the 24 reference. How dare you! Can't wait for 24. <laughs> uh, but to be able to do that and to really look at it, I think for people maybe like us or your listeners, that the the more you actually glean from it and you get kind of a hunger to find out more things about it, the writing was before its time, and oh, yeah. and and and, and yeah. the, the no thought doubt. process of putting all these little trap doors and all these things to find, you know, was very well done. I mean, it's a gift, the people that did that. Mm -hmm. And it's neat to be able to, if you want to take, you know, if this is your flavor, you can spend all kinds of time with it. Oh, yeah.
0: Floating slash swimming slash flying ships. This is something that I found really interesting, especially as Matt said as I dug back into it the next several times I watched it. Is the ship actually flying, or is it floating? Is it is it flying, a submarine floating
3: uh, on, on top of some electrical energy? You can look at the Sentinels. You can look at a Nebuchadnezzar, and it's just almost different the way it just kind of moves throughout the tunnels. But it is within air. Yeah. And it's not in water, but it's the, neat. But between, like the the, sentinels, between the tentacles,
2: they look like squids, and the way their arms kind of flowed. You know, their yeah. or not yeah. arms, yeah. but their but uh, the, only missing, yeah. the only thing that's right. missing.
0: The only thing that's missing is maybe some bubble action. That's the only thing that's missing. Bubble action. You add in all of the action that's going on with the Nebuchadnezzar, with the, the electrical coils that you mentioned. All that stuff, and then the production design of the actual inside-the-ship stuffs
4: mm-hmm.
0: it's essentially a submarine. The yeah, thing it, closes, it it's just got like hatches, that, yeah. it's got doors, it's got you know seals, it's got electrical panel systems that you shut off so they don't get fried. And, and I love that. I love that it is generating this environment that you are absolutely baptized in while you're watching the movie.
2: It's awesome. Sure. absolutely.
0: The Sentinels. Man. In 99, there were a few things more ornate— than the Sentinels. Uh, they're horrifying. They are exactly. The, yeah, they are the nightmare scenario of not just the Nebuchadnezzar and the people inside of it, but people watching the movie. They, they, they look there. They are. I can see them. They're horrifying.
3: Just like the raptors in the original Jurassic Park. Yeah. There's no way to outrun them. Just sure. like the agents in this movie. Yeah. It's such an ominous dread you get from them just watching it themselves. You can only imagine what the characters are going through.
0: Yeah, and then the push through inside of what was eventually the third film. It's like. Jeez, there's three of them there. Okay, well, in the last movie, you have thousands, Mm -hmm. tens of thousands of these things coming from every direction. Man, just the technical achievement of the future movies was worth the future movies. I get that. I would have much, and we'll get into it later, but I would much rather have just seen this movie standalone, but the Sentinels, just horrifying inside this movie. And there was CG, too. Yeah. And they look totally realistic. Totally realistic. Bullet time. Uh, This is a game changer, guys. You know, we, we talk about bullets and firearms and guns and blah inside this movie, but what we're talking about here is the movement and the now essentially push a button inside of a computer stack, bullet time, where you can wrap a camera's vision around a, a plane of an actor and capture every single frame around the actor and put them into whatever environment you want, whether it's via green screen or generating inside of a computer where you push a button and awesomeness happens. Well, back then, bullet time was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It's where you had a physical track that was built. You'd have a series of cameras that would fire one right after another. Yeah, you know, arranging a that.
3: semicircle around the actor, or whatever you're right. trying to and, capture. And
0: would convey that wraparound style. Sweet irony is that Keanu Reeves himself has now developed a camera system that allows it to be pushed in and around an actor remotely. Oh, wow. So it's essentially mobile bullet time is what what he's created with this new rig. It's very, very interesting, and he's focusing it inside of uh, martial arts films, which is is very, very interesting. But bullet time,
3: revolutionary. Absolutely revolutionary. Of course, this is not the first time this has been used. The first time I saw it was in a Van Halen video put out a year before. (laughs) It was just used for a a few seconds. Yeah. But it just looked so weird Mm -hmm. and almost CGI. It's like did they turn the CGI characters or something? The way they just kind of stood still, and one person was moving, but it was just moving around them. Now this, a combination of everything, mm-hmm. the CGI bullets with the little circular trails behind them and mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. and the flapping cape and all this, we could just give this accolades all day long. Oh yeah, but I think to really appreciate this is to look at some of the special features on a DVD.
0: I no that about it. And then also the commentaries inside of the DVDs where they mm-hmm. talk about the specific this sure. the specific scene when I think about bullet time is neo first dodging bullets. That is quantitative bullet time for me. And that scene inside of the DVD features with the commentary on is awesome. I mean, it, 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 it describes every level of detail you can possibly imagine about the cameras, about the actors, about the wires, about the time it took, about the actual track that the cameras were then set on. It is phenomenal and something that should not be missed
2: make me want to go home and watch the matrix again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we want everyone to listen Absolutely, to this yeah in fact remember you can buy a copy of the matrix dvd or blu-ray over at the two guys talking website over at twoguysTalking.com forward slash matrix and we get a little kickback when you buy it from there we're going green the visual difference between the real world And the Matrix with green filters. Mm -hmm. Scott? in the way
3: this whole movie starts off with the Warner Brothers logo and the movie production logo. It's all Mm. green tinted and kind of that pixelated look. So even that early on, we're kind of given clues that this is another world. This might not be real. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the things you did not see the first time you saw the movie and no. I probably didn't see it the first time i saw the movie Mm-mm. anytime any of the characters are in the matrix itself there is a green tint to everything
4: mm.
0: everywhere very, very interesting yeah and, and not so strangely especially inside of that website that i mentioned what is the com way back then the whole thing had that green tinge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, and again, that's what I love about these perspective reviews, Scott, is that this many years later, we're talking about a movie that was done in 1999.
3: 15 years ago, yeah. This
0: many years later having little tiny light bulb moments like that inside of them painting this picture of the Matrix. Man, I love that. I love that, and it's why we do these perspective reviews, without a question.
3: Yeah, and even when we were watching a movie a couple of weeks ago to prepare for this, and that dojo scene with Morpheus and Neo, Mm-hmm the green tintage actually increased a little bit as time went on when Neo was kind of manipulating physics and when he figured out he could really separate himself from that world the whole construct of it yeah and even noticing that it's like whoa, I the floor is a little bit greener now Mm -hmm. just little things like that just shows you how deep this movie can go Uh,
0: this also the matrix provided I'm absolutely certain especially after listening to the commentaries the first realization of digital tweak inside of a movie Mm -hmm. because the Lord of the Rings films I mean completely revolutionized everything that was going on inside of digital color and Mm -hmm. alteration and digital ability and uh, digital canvassing and we'll get to a lot of that later Yeah, absolutely but this movie without question was one of the first that went in and tweaked things like the colors no doubt about that the next evolution of comic book-like slash 24 framing. Now, this is extraordinary because the Wachowski brothers are huge anime fans. Anime, of course, being that Japanese-inspired Japanese, sure. animation f- feel, and it's all over the Matrix. And all of the movies have it. But what it also has is a lot of that 24-style framing, where you're you'll jump into a camera set, and especially when you're inside the Matrix, suddenly something looks different. And the reason it looks different is because they're framing it intentionally. The second movie is one where I notice it a ton. That playground scene where Neo's got the 7 million different agents that he's fighting. That entire scene is very much in the vein of what I'm talking about here. Again, it it grabs you and pulls you into the Matrix. It's great stuff. Mm -hmm. Endless Fields of Electrified Life. This struck me as a magazine still frame, and it's where Neo was sitting and looking over the entire span. Endless fields, Neo. I can, I can hear Morpheus' voice right now saying it. And that entire scene was inside of a double-page spread magazine that I read. And I knew then, when I saw that, that this was going to be something different. And it was. There's no doubt about it at all that the concept of what they're talking about where they're essentially sucking the life out of people as batteries Mm -hmm. to generate the world that they have and have now conjured you in inside the matrix. That concept has been around a very long time. But having it imaged, this was it. One th- of the most this, this was
3: haunting images, I think, in any sci-fi movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Just a sweeping vista. It just goes on for miles and miles. Mm-hmm. I think the camera pan's either up or down, mm-hmm. and you see that the, the giant pillars, columns, yeah. go down. God knows how deep. Yeah. It could be You know, half a mile. Yeah. So this is such a gargantuan place with- <laughs> billions of people there yeah it's like wow
0: the other cool part was that of course everybody knows keanu shaved his body to be inside Mm -hmm. of the scene where he is essentially reborn as neo hats off to keanu I know they paid him a giant ass load of money, but, uh, you know, he yeah, shaved himself for it. Uh, not only is it method <laughs> acting, but it is, again, that piece of horrifying inside of this movie. Mm-hmm. You think to yourself, okay, what would be horrifying? How about Keanu Reeves with no hair and bathed in this baby <laughs> gel stuff?
2: Uh, yeah, horrifying, yeah. Do you think, you know, with the religious aspect and some of the different things that they were looking at or alluding to, if you would— um, when I saw the killing fields, uh, you know, the babies and so forth, all I could think of is a reference to abortion, you know, sure. and, and and just the well, especially
0: with the toilet. I mean, that's I think that's right. a one-to-one mm-hmm. equation, and, where this baby's not good enough yeah. and flushed on the yeah, toilet. You know, sure,
2: li- liquefying the dead to you know satisfy to feed the, the living, living right. right? Yeah. So um, the, I thought that was for that time uh, to to kind of make that reference. A picture's worth a thousand words. When I saw that, I was almost overwhelmed with emotion to to where it was like, wow, this was a real stand against abortion to me. Anyway, that's what I got out of it. So, yeah. well,
3: I, I may disagree with you. I don't think Hollywood, as liberal as they are, they would really have something like this. But I think they were trying to shock people. And mm-hmm. if they shocked you and made you think of that and it really stirred up emotions or if it just – maybe shocked Mike and I just with the whole idea of all these millions or even billions of people I, I think they did their job it's supposed to just show yeah. you just how horrible the, this whole thing was
0: uh, there's one thing that Hollywood excels at and I don't think the matrix is within any question at all it is shock value oh, absolutely. absolutely no absolutely. doubt about it
2: yeah and you know for different mm-hmm. people it could mean different things certainly yeah. and but, I love
0: that the matrix brings up the discussion of sure things. it's an awesome piece Gunfire for gunfire's 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 sake.
4: <laughs>
0: now, let, let me be clear what I meant when I wrote this. Folks, this movie is gun porn. There is no doubt about it. I, as much as I don't like that word being used, this is a big bunch of guns being fired to see a big bunch of guns being fired. There's no, there's no two ways about it at all, but... The ability to revel inside of so many guns being fired and then digging down deeper like we are into the detail of it is what I really draw from a movie like The Matrix or like Predator. Predator is another one where there is a ton of weaponry showcased really for awesome-looking sake. That's why all of the guns inside of Predator are there to do that, but then also to defend them against the oh-yeah alien. (laughs) 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 And so, again, it's once you put on the entire sheath or holster of virtual reality, you can have things like this, guns for guns' sake. Yeah, you can
3: have it completely over the top. Mm -hmm. And that is what sets it apart with something like The Expendables. Yes. Where just all action, as much as you can pack in, but that movie is totally ridiculous. Yes. This... It fits in, I don't want to say perfectly, it, it, you're able to buy it because it's in this virtual reality world. Not only that, you have so much else going on. All these other layers of storytelling yeah, and
2: absolutely. comparison. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So it makes it just much more than just gratuitous violence. Right.
0: It actually becomes a piece of the narrative inside of the storytelling piece inside of the story. Because you're trying to stop the agents that are, for all intents and purposes, invincible. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have the weaponry and the firepower to To push back against the man inside of the movie. Absolutely. Very well said. Vaulted hero worship that works. This kind of goes back to something Scott and I talk about regularly inside of the following podcast, where we follow each and every hour of the hit Fox show The Following with Kevin Bacon and a variety of other people inside of it. But inside of that program, I don't have a hero at all. I, I don't support anybody inside that program. I think there's a bunch of stupid people that are inside of the program, including yeah. Kevin Bacon. And there's nobody that I rally behind that nobody I Nobody to see root and I, for. And I raise a fist and I go, yes! I don't have any of that inside yeah. of the following. Inside of this movie, however, there's at least four or five people, many of whom I don't even really know, that I have that yes moment. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love being able to have that. And it's what is missing easily inside of the following.
3: Not only that, it's it's not just hero worship. It's the way that Morpheus in particular views Neo. Mm-hmm. He sees something special in him.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And it makes you wonder all the more. It's like, well, yeah, I'm rallying behind Neo, but there's something extra added to him.
0: <laughs> that you mentioned those two is awesome too. Because I love the swap that happens. When you start the movie of The Matrix, there is... Divinity, again, is the wrong word. But there is this waft of Morpheus. And you get it when Neo picks up the phone and he has that, that little turning moment where he goes, Do you know who this is? And he spins the phone around and he goes, Morpheus. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so you have the top pillar of, wow, Morpheus is the hero. Okay, gotcha. We got to go find him. And then right at that, that little sequence where Morpheus gets rescued... Everything changes and suddenly Mm -hmm. Neo is now up on top where if the beginning of the movie you had a black dude Lawrence Fishburne spinning in his chair going Neo it would work It totally works Mm -hmm. and that's that's exactly what I'm talking about here with the vaulted hero worship is that you get to have Both of them as heroes and it works completely through each and every sequence in the film. Oh,
3: yeah You buy all of it. It works just wonderfully
0: learned powers for all intents and purposes this and in particular the third movie reminded me so much of a superhero because there are powers that Neo actually acquires Mm -hmm. in his ability to fly inside of the matrix and to take on great harm and still be okay those are all powers that you see in general comic books and other narratives and stories and so not having the powers and then being able to take them on as learned powers later I love that narrative inside of storytelling. I, well.
2: I love that too. What I think is really neat is there's that scene where uh, you C- see C- an agent. Making go, the drink, you know right. what's it what's it like to be the one? And he asks them. You know, and and Neo hasn't really realized himself yet. He hasn't come into it kind of like lays this thing on him like you, you, it's such a head game and Morpheus is messing with you and so forth. You know, if you see an agent, you do like the rest of us, you run. So when you're talking, what I thought was really cool about the, this whole development of it's almost like, you know, he blossoms into something. And and the dynamic of the alternating leadership is something that it's a show of greatness that a great teacher at some point, if a student is becoming great, the teacher wants to exalt the student over himself. Right, And so right. to see... That the, Yes, there were learn powers, but actually what it was is that Neo realized the matrix. He realized how it worked. And when he said, when Morpheus, the one great line in the movie, when he says, Neo says to Morpheus, what do you think I'm going to be able to do, dodge bullets? And he says, when you're ready, you won't have to. Yeah. And that, oh, yeah, that cool was line. a prophetic statement in the movie yeah. of when you come into the realization because I believe in you and I know that you're the one – but yet, if you want to take religious things, almost goes back to a Christ-like thing. Like, he knew who he was, but yet he mm-hmm. developed. And then at a certain time when he was ready, he did, if you believe in that. I'm sorry, I know all your listeners might not believe in that. Oh, but, and we'll get into uh, that yeah, later, yeah. yeah. But that's, that's the way we receive it for those that do believe it. To make the analogy for the analogy's sake that he came into, yes, I kind of know who I am, but now I'm fulfilling who I know that I am. And that was another, like, kind of a religious thing where uh, Neo comes into, I kind of know who I am. I'm starting to realize who I am. I'm learning these powers. But then all of a sudden, he became what he was called to do. And when he realized that, when the bullets are flying down the hall, he just says no. And he, he controlled the Matrix because then he knew how it worked. It was just amazing. Like that gave me goosebumps. That's a light bulb moment, right?
0: Absolutely. And that's what I'm talking about with the matrix is that there are so many different light bulb moments for people. And I remember, I think it was probably the third or fourth time I watched the movie. And you, you refer to that, that scene with Cypher where he's looking at the matrix and the little digitally
3: dripping stuff. The the alphanumeric characters falling down.
0: Right. And you know, he looks over and says, you know, I, I don't even see the code anymore. I see his blondes, blondes brunettes and blah. And I didn't get that until the third or fourth time I watched the movie. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. So Cypher's watching the screens and what he sees is pictures of blondes because that's what's being shown inside of the screens. He's watching essentially porn
4: Uh
0: on those screens. And so that's what he sees. But because we and Neo don't see and understand the Matrix yet. All he sees is the character stuff. That's, again, ding, yeah, yeah. one of those light bulb Absolutely. moments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, again, it it really does speak to the great writing inside of The Matrix, no very, question.
2: Very deep and rich writing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. The Nebuchadnezzar. Dude. Between it being the amorphous ship slash flying machine slash submarine slash kick-ass craft. <laughs> what else can you say about the Nebuchadnezzar? Just the uh, the special effects are wonderful. That electrified power that Scott referred to, very mm-hmm. much like a like a vertical airboat. Yeah, all of that is just spectacular. And the way that it's flown, that it mimics what is either some sort of flying machine or a floating machine in general. I loved it. I loved it all. It
3: reminded me of the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And the fact that just like the Millennium Falcon, it was beat up, grungy, dirty inside. Mm-hmm. And, well, it didn't go quite into the detail about the ship not working half the time, Mm -hmm. just like the Falcon did. Sure. It it just kind of gave me that real-life used feel, and it almost had a character to itself. Oh, yeah. Which I really, really love. Yeah,
0: super endearing. The fight choreography. Matt referred to it first, but what do we say about the fight choreography in here except a bull? I mean, it's, it's yeah. just awesome. <laughs> if, if ever there was a time to put something in and have something play behind you as just kind of noise and being able to look over at the screen every now and then and be completely entertained by what's going on any time during the movie, this is it. This is one of them, and this is why. No matter where you see fight choreography going on inside of the movie, there is an etched piece in everybody's mind in at least five or ten different pieces of this movie. The dojo scene. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Scene. Trinity kicking ass with the scorpion kick at the uh, end. Absolutely. You know, any fight with an agent, any of them, any of them at all, fighting with Morpheus in any one of the different aspects, uh, the cops fighting with Trinity at the beginning, just endless fight scenes that are not just memorable, but etched in your memory so that when you refer back to the words the Matrix, they instantly crop up in your
2: mind. Absolutely, it's an awesome blend of the weapons and then the human weapons, ebbing and flowing (sighs) from one thing to another,
4: Yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. Um, you know, immediately, and and that is real life, and that's actually how we train uh, at Sovereign Arms a lot. A guy came into the store today and I asked him about some advanced training. I said, have you ever done any gun and knife takeaway disarming type of stuff? And he said, no, and ran out and grabbed one of my uh, training plastic pistols Mm -hmm. and just showed him a few things. And, you know, if you run out of bullets and you're in the middle of something and you're just like when Trinity was right at the police, you know, and, and they have the gun to the back of her head and they're getting ready to try to put the cuffs on her. Mm-hmm. she turned. That's all open hand, you know, yeah. gun and knife disarmament, then right back into, you know, your shooting skills. Right. Uh, and that was all through the movie. You yeah. know?
0: Do you have that special training thing about flying 40, 40, 60 feet through a little <laughs> tiny window? And I,
2: I wish I did. Sprightly <laughs> jumping back up with yeah. a couple of
0: gorgeous guns in your hand. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
3: awesome.
4: Very yeah. cool. It's
3: it just so much great stuff in here. And there's not a single moment where it doesn't look realistic. Mm-hmm. And even though, yeah, they defy physics and the matrix and everything, well, you buy it because it's totally. part of a virtual well, it, world.
2: Right. It flows. And that's like, you know, it's I've pace. watched a lot of cheap Chinese pace. Kung Fu movies. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, the lips yeah. are moving. <laughs> you you know, Twenty second. Not. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's all very straight punches and very lock and joint type of things where it's very staged. Okay, and these people are just—it's fluid, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So while the shooting is very linear, and the running, and even the way they run with open knife hand and things like that, it's very linear. The actual hand-to-hand stuff is very fluid. It's—it's yeah. it's very realistic to, to different styles yeah, that are out and, there.
0: So. Uh, again, the fighting stuffs, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about wire foo later. But all of the fighting choreography inside of this is just beyond reproach. Love it. <coughs> Cast. This is a stellar cast, and not all of these people were, oh, my God, look at the awesome actors way back when. Uh, Keanu was coming off of a series of a couple of movies that, uh, again, we talked about Johnny Mnemonic. What in the hell was that? (laughs) 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 You know, and a a couple of other real stinkers that he
3: had. I I think he still had a little bit of steam under him because of speed. Yeah. So so he had a,
4: a
0: little bit of a...
3: I, kind I, of action hero I, I
4: will
0: give you that. He, he has found a niche, and in particular inside of these movies, he found a niche for a very, very long time mm-hmm. inside of what was, I am going to be this character and I'm going to make my mint of money off of it, which is good. I have no problem with that at all, yeah. especially when it's good. Uh, but Keanu Reeves was a, a very different actor when he started this than when he finished mm. this. And I, I have loved watching him grow into Neo and then sprightly leave him. I don't have any problem with that at all. Uh, I really enjoyed him inside this role, inside of the first one. I thought it was stellar.
3: Yeah. Uh, let's face it. He's not a very good actor. He could do certain things with good timing. Mm-hmm. But he was perfect for this role because it didn't require a whole lot of, I guess, a uh, great uh, – speeches and monologuing and that type of thing, Mm -hmm. it would have been disastrous. Mm -hmm. But for someone who was completely unaware of who he was, Mm -hmm. unaware of his powers and what his future was going to be, I I don't know. It was apropos,
2: it fit. fit. The
0: the awareness part that you're talking about where there needs to be a piece of curiosity, that's exactly what he fit. He fit that bill to a Mm T. Lawrence Fishburne. What can you say about Good old Larry here. I
2: love Lawrence Fishburne. Except
0: that he's not Mace Windu. We can definitely say that. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne, in particular, inside the second Matrix film, which uh, the zeal and excitement that we're getting out of this review, I think we might actually go through the other two. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne inside this movie begins as an icon and finishes as a bigger icon, in my Absolutely.
4: opinion. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And
0: the power that he brings, the power without being overtly powerful... Even though inside of the beginning of the movie, you think he is the, oh my God, it's Morpheus.
4: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: But the power that he finishes the movie with is easily as good as what he starts with.
3: And here's a guy who speaks with complete command, complete confidence. Neo is the
0: one. Mm -hmm. Even in the most dire of times. Yes. When it backs against the wall and he's sitting in the chair and he's got the shaky cheek jaunice going, he still knows he still knows
3: unwavering and, Love and it. all of that just great stuff yeah. and the way he works as a mentor and a leader In the beginning. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just I just love this work in here. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I love it. And the like the dojo scene where they first fight and he says, you know, does do my muscles or my strength have any bearing on what's going on in here? And in this and and trying to provoke him and to push him into becoming I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just awesome. Or you know, and then and then even some of his swagger, you know, when he's first in the office and he answers the phone and he's like, There's agents and he cusses and he says, Yes. You know, that's his (laughs) response. Like, now what are we gonna do? Let's get
0: you out of here you know it's just that was awesome and it's funny that you mentioned that too because it is one of the biggest fail moments inside of a a, a movie narrative it's like okay morpheus is going to help him get away he gets taken into custody yeah Mm
4: -hmm.
0: really and yes really that's again more of that great storytelling and really something that we haven't mentioned at all is that should be definitely in the pluses is the overall storytelling oh yeah Uh, everything that we're talking about here especially as we go through the cast set is all wonderful storytelling Carrie Ann Moss Wow You know It's hard to, <laughs> to talk about it She's a great actress Trinity wow. Trinity
4: mm.
3: um, I, I guess to Have some levity To keep this clean I, I watch this movie As someone in his late 20s I don't know how old she was at the time mm-hmm. Maybe 10 years older than me She was one of the few women That, that come along to make me appreciate Older women and then there are terms for that, you know, sure. cougars or whatever. Sure. I'm not sure if she kind of fits that label,
0: not yet. accurately in know. this movie. She might now.
3: She might now. Yeah. But just her and you know the leather outfit and the short hair. It's like wow,
0: superbly striking. There's yes. S-
2: <laughs> yeah, and and I, awesome. I watched uh, a, a couple of interviews with her and some athletically, you know, the ability uh, to be able to do some of the, the stunts and the different things that she did in the movie was that takes some skill mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And not everybody that's an actor necessarily has the athletic ability Uh, and then certainly working with the firearms from that perspective to be able to load them correctly do different magazine changes and so forth inside the movie to make those things fluid that takes some skill yeah and uh, that she handled it very well and of course she's you know, brought a, a sexy aspect, the allure of that. And down in the next movie that they were going to, you know, start the romantic relationship between uh, Neo and, and Trinity. Mm-hmm. But uh, you don't get that in the beginning. You know, no. like when they meet mm-hmm. in the bar, it, you know, she's like, most people think I'm a guy, you know, and you're the Trinity. Yes, I am. It, it's the, just the, the, other, the allure, you yeah, know, the, right the, away. The other so.
0: component we really haven't really glanced on is that inside of the real world, all these people are kind of standard ordinary looking. Mm-hmm. But when you look at what happens when she's In the inside Ma- the Matrix,
2: yeah. <sighs> the expression Just, of your digital self. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, put that out there.
0: Just brilliant stuff from Carrie Ann Moss. It's easily my favorite role, even across all three of these films. The original Matrix is my favorite Carrie Anne Moss shed. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving has gone on to become a monstrous, awesome actor since the days of The Matrix through a variety of things, whether it's Captain America, whether it's the Lord of the Rings films, or anything in between. Hugo Weaving has defined himself with Agent Smith. One of the great villains of all easily, time. Easily. People
2: say I look like him all the time. I, I, can, I, I can see some of that except he got me way, Mr. way more Smith. hair. You got well, way more hair. I do. Yeah. But I'm getting a little, not as bad as you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I did this to <laughs> myself. Yeah. 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 That's uh, all right. I'll, I'll paint some
0: on Scott later. That's Mr. Fine. Smith, yeah, I get killed yeah, on that uh, one too. So. Again, Hugo he, Weaving and Agent Smith is one of the staples inside of villainry. Inside Absolutely. of cinematic it just is, in his
2: monotone and his you know, systematic pursuit and presence and the way he carries himself. Mm-hmm. And it's very Agent esque. Like Mm -hmm. what you'd see out of a real agent now. Some of them actually behave that way.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny how very often pop culture will be defined by things inside of pop culture, inside of real life. Mm -hmm. So, again, extraordinary stuff from Hugo Weaving. Gloria Foster, the Oracle. One Some of the underrated roles, in completely this. underrated roles inside of this, and one of the ones I didn't like originally because of all the smoking that gets done by this lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can't define a person because she smokes. This lady was extraordinary inside of this film.
3: and a role played <laughs> by an overweight African-American woman. Just in her kitchen baking cookies. Smoking like a stack. Smoking yeah. And <laughs> how the hell is that the Oracle? But the underlying the underlying performance. <laughs> yeah. There's not a single moment of her performance where you just don't get this like, wow, she knows exactly what she's talking about.
0: And there's also a piece of if you uh, again on revisited watchings, you suddenly realize how epic her little bits back to Neo are. Mm-hmm. Even more so than the, I know you're going to ask me about the flower pot later, blah. It all becomes that as you get into repeated watchings of the movie. Just incredibly inspiring. Joey Pantaleone, or also known as Joey Pants. Joey Pants is someone that Scott <laughs> and I have loved forever. He has such a jacket of acting where mm-hmm. he's always. Frankly, kind of this guy, just depending on how thick the East Coast accent is. Yeah, the
3: Ralph Cifaretto from The Sopranos. (laughs) Sopranos. Great stuff in there, too.
0: Awesome stuff. And inside of this movie, he plays uh, an amazingly awesome 'er ne'er-do-well that I think depicts a whole lot of people that would choose to grab that other pill and go get some steak.
3: And I imagine a lot of people would be like this, too. I
0: totally see that. I totally see that. Standing out, grinding it through, having a rougher experience, and finally getting to what you need after some hard work, or easy street
4: mm-hmm.
0: and easy street is easy street for a reason
3: it's easy <laughs> <laughs> not only is it easy
0: it's filled with ne'er-do-wells that are gonna eventually kill you at the end yeah so uh, again uh, another great performance by joy pants great stuff the audience is guessing along with the characters
3: and i i hate movies and tv shows where we are 10 steps ahead of the characters and they're just kind of discovering stuff and just acting all dumb about everything. Here, we don't know if Neo is the one. We have doubt about it. And we're just going through the same revelations that Neo does going throughout this whole movie.
0: Yeah, very well said. Overall cultural influences, the blue and red pill, morpheus and agent smith in different commercials hiding a love story inside of a sci-fi technology yarn all of these things have become now pieces of not just pop culture but cinematic and television culture as well Mm -hmm. where one of these elements somewhere has to be tethered together inside of another element so that it will make sense and be good inside of storytelling yeah and that's where you get you know iconic storytelling
3: and so many of these things could be part of pop culture mm-hmm. for, and I think uh, Lawrence Fishburne did, what, a Super Bowl commercial? Recently, just we were, this recently year, 2014, right? Right, he,
2: with the red. Pill, right, I saw it. Yeah.
3: And it, <laughs> was either car last, commercial, yeah. it was either last year to year before that Hugo Weaving reprises role as Agent Smith. I think it was a mm-hmm. GE medical equipment commercial Interesting. with a bunch of Agent Smiths all around. Yeah. And he had the same monotone and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. What other movies can you think of where they bring characters back after 10 or more years
2: mm-hmm. and people will instantly recognize Identify, them? Identify, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's powerful. That's really powerful yeah. that it yeah, made that much of an impact.
0: The car commercial for the Super Bowl set yeah. is a perfect sample. All you had to do was see him for a second and you go, oh, Morpheus.
2: Mm-hmm. He didn't have to say anything. He could have you know, just appeared and, and stood there. And you there. Even see that on social media like all the time. I, oh, yeah. You know, the Facebook feeds and you and you see, what if I told you this? You know, and yeah. you exactly. got somebody's the whole somebody's little, little yeah. captions, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they're stupid. But, I mean, immediately you identify, you know, that's Morpheus asking me a question. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. yeah it's pretty and, powerful.
0: And that so many people can identify instantly with that is it amazing. Resonates. yes. Religious Parallels.
3: Oh, yeah. We've hinted on this many, many times. A ton. A ton. ton. Of course, you know, both Matt and I are Christians, and we saw a lot of this. The major one being Neo, the One.
1: Of course, Neo
3: is an anagram of One, O N E, rearrange the letters. And he is the chosen one. Of course, Christ in the Bible is predicted probably a couple hundred times throughout the Old Testament. Prophets had predicted him, you know, little. Bits, you know, he will be born in Bethlehem. This will happen. That will happen. And here we see Morpheus really believing in that and seeing somebody in the character of Neil.,
2: yep. Having the faith, you know, the oracle uh, would be, uh, you know, prophetic. Voice, if you will, just like in the Old Testament when they sought knowledge through prophetic people that would have uh, some supernatural type of knowing. Obviously, these are more not biblical terms, but I mean, you know, to say an oracle is more of a a mystic type of term. But uh, Trinity, Morpheus, there's something like the almost like the priest, the prophet, you know, you have Mm -hmm. all these different biblical almost stagings, if you will, the name of the ship, the Nebuchadnezzar, you know, yeah. Nebuchadnezzar being the, uh, one of the kings at the time. So, tons of biblical references. And Zion,
3: yeah, it was another and, big and, and one. And
2: Zion, of course, yeah, And the, as you go in the, into the trilogy, uh, and, and the way that they had the people there. Uh, there was a lot there, you know, and of course not everybody listening is going to maybe relate to that or even accept it or believe in it, but they, uh, it the, was definitely there, and it was definitely written into the, on purpose. Oh, and uh, not I only think, on in, purpose,
0: but the, they can throw that waft through there, mm-hmm. and even if as the people you're saying quote don't believe amazingly it doesn't offend either
4: mm-hmm.
0: isn't that amazing yeah
2: it's, it's- <laughs> and that
0: again is goes back to it goes back to really quality storytelling where you can grab and and leech out references and points and storytelling that graft themselves onto other storytelling points and it makes perfect sense absolutely the commentary tracks now, if I'm mistaken, I think I'm the only person that's listened to all the commentary tracks, probably on the planet Earth, because <laughs> I am a commentary track whore. All of you that create DVDs and Blu-rays, there's one guy you can stand behind, and if you get me the DVD Blu-ray, I will be listening to every single commentary Water. track. Uh, well,
4: well, I am the guy. Why
0: recorded? Who listens to these? <laughs>
3: Oh, that Wilkerson oh, Wait, it's dude. Wilkerson. Yeah. It says right on there. <laughs> Mike
0: Wilkerson will be listening. <laughs> Visit TwoGuysTalking.com. The commentary tracks inside of this, especially the Blu-ray presentation, are outstanding. Not only do you have Carrie Ann Moss describing every single detail that she thought of inside of every single scene of the movie, you've also got a couple of really great special effects folks, both from the production design aspects, but then also from the literal special effects aspects. Mm-hmm. And it is legend. It is is stuff that you will remember detail from, Matt. It sounds like you glom onto details that matter inside of scenes that you thought were really awesome. And that's what they give you here. It's everything from kind of the mundane from Carrie Ann Moss to the super technical, I don't really understand what I'm saying on many aspects of the special effects guys and everything in between. Those are the kind of effects reels that I like to listen to. Because it gives you a completely different level of education about stuff you like. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that, and it's why I'm a total, unabashed commentary whore. (laughs) The soundtrack, the score, and sound effects, as well as the editing. Uh, Let's start backwards. The editing inside of The Matrix is beyond reproach. Mm -hmm. And it has become an icon that so many other films have either outright copied or tried to nuance so that it's kind of their style, but it's in the Matrix style and editing is magic inside of this film. There are so many scenes that could not quite make sense, but they're edited to make sense. Uh, especially the pace. The pace is something that we've also almost neglected inside of this. It's, it's a word I think we've danced around. Mm-hmm. But the pacing inside of the Matrix spawned by the editing inside of the Matrix is magical. It, it, people don't realize how important editing is. Mm-hmm. It's not so much just
3: to shoot it, a bunch it, of scenes it, of movie and editing. paste it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You have to cut them to have that flow and have it flow perfectly. Yeah. There are kinetics, and, yeah. There story. are kinetics
0: literally inside of editing that have to happen, especially inside of a story like The Matrix, where it is real, except when you're not in the real world. Mm-hmm. And then it's not real. And then something different has to happen. All and that has
3: to make sense.
0: Yeah. And all that flavor and stuff inside of the editing and the pacing is awesome. Let's talk about the sound effects. The sound effects, again, are legend ripped off by everybody everywhere, <laughs> whether it's <laughs> ringtones or message arrival alerts or. The starting of a computer or. In the punching
3: sound effects, instead of yeah. it being a sound of like a belt slapping against a beef brisket, <laughs> I, 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 you get a lot of it that. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Almost like it's reversed in a way. Yeah. But because it's virtual reality, you know, the the hits and the the whaps and all that don't have to sound exactly the same. Yeah. But
0: it, it, to me, it's so much different. <laughs> well, let me explain how fun this movie is. Every time you say things like that, I instantly snap to a piece of the movie, and all I can think of, hey, Morpheus is fighting Neo.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a great scene. I and and, think and of actually, that. when you said that, like, I, I mean, I took. Uh, it's lots of different styles of martial arts, and when I was uh, younger, I, I studied under Isshu Shin, who's the Southern Korean national champion. Yeah. And when you when you punch, your gi is supposed to actually snap. Like there's a, there's a certain way that you punch that your gi will pop. You know, and if you're doing it right, you. You know, you'll hear that. You have a sort of sound effect that follows you. So, so, I mean, so some of it certainly is Hollywood, but some of it is like, so you go from, okay, what's in the real world? The gi pops, but in the virtual world, not only does it pop, but it swishes, you know, and it does, it does. And so when the rotation of the, of his fists go to, almost where it's fluttering like you hear that you know you know that's amazing but it's also visual but then you're hearing it and you're putting the two together in this virtual place of now my hands are going so fast that it's a blur yeah really cool yeah again sound
0: effects just amazing and what we always get to inside of two guys talking reviews because i love to emphasize them because i think without score and soundtrack movies would not be movies there's no doubt about it. I
3: at all. agree 1,000%. I, I am a soundtrack whore.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: go, a, lot of, a lot of hoeing
2: going. On. A lot of hoeing
0: going on here, <laughs> and soundtracks and score, in particular, the score, which is a very rare find, by the way. The orchestral stuff right here, you get those uh,
3: like increasing the horns.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm,
3: yeah, I love that all yeah. throughout here it yeah. just adds a sense of danger and yes. mystery yes. and everything Absolutely.
0: there is a drag through the entire movie that is based on the score that again is way more rare than just the official soundtrack for the Matrix that has all of the music from the Matrix we'll have links to both of them so you can go and buy them from our website and give us a little kickback and get some of this amazing stuff, the soundtrack itself is the stuff of Two Guys Talking Studio Work Time if I need some mindless work time, or I need to sit down and focus on something, I will grab the tracks that are matrix-based and hit the play button. And it is, it, it is standard behind me working fair, me getting crunching through a whole bunch of work that I got to get done. And it is, it is great. It is pushing. It is, uh, it is invasive music for, without any question. And it, it propels you. And not just, not so strangely like it does inside the Matrix. Yeah. And I was
3: not a fan of a lot of the new metal or rap metal that came out in the 90s. I'm not either.
0: I'm not in general. A lot of the people that are on this soundtrack, I would never listen to them. Mm -hmm. But because it was in the Matrix and I've equated it with getting work done and then scenes inside the movie, I instantly listened to it.
3: Well, there's intensity to it. I think they picked some of the better artists and better tracks Mm -hmm. that came out around that time. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's time to take a break here during the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of The Matrix, 1999, directed by the Wachowski Brothers. We'll be right back.
1: Looking for a straightforward
2: user interface on a cost-effective, feature-filled, multi-track recording software? Call off the search. Mixcraft from Acoustica has exactly what you're looking
1: for. It's time to include reliable audio creation and editing software with real punch into your projects. Check out MixCraft now over at
2: Acoustica.com forward slash MixCraft and start a new generation of audio creation and editing today.
1: Poker's been around a long time. The memories, the cards, the money, the players, it all makes for an outstanding experience. But where can you get true knowledge? tips, tricks, and detail. Don't miss the next episode of Two Guys Talking Poker, where poker zealots Vic Porcelli and Andy Kazin interview poker greats like Michael the Grinder Rocky, Alan Chainsaw Kessler, Craig Fosselman Raymer, and many more. Add on superb hand analysis and poker industry news, and you've got the Two Guys Talking Poker podcast. Check it out now at twoguystalkingpoker.com. That's twoguystalkingpoker.com. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows has just been released. And it's time for the Two Guys Talking, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows book report. Join Brian and Amy Sumatros as they give you the Two Guys Talking book report goodness of this most recent, soon-to-be bestseller book, only on the Two Guys Talking podcast. Log on today and tell us what you think of the book. Check out www.twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guys guystalking.com. Thanks for listening, and keep those wands at the ready. This is Paul's tree service.
3: A person is calling through Relay, Missouri.
4: This is operator. Uh,
2: Thanks, but we're not interested. Who is that? Uh, Just one of those annoying telemarketers. Wrong. You just hung up on a customer, one who wanted to spend money with your business. A customer who happens to be deaf, hard of hearing, or who has a speech disability, calling you through Relay Missouri. Relay Missouri is a free service that allows people who are deaf, hard of hearing, or who have a speech disability to communicate over the telephone with you and your business don't hang up. This could be new business. For more information on Relay Missouri take a minute to log on to RelayMissouri.com and open the door to a whole new group of customers. Become part of a growing community that is silent but can speak volumes for your business. Relay Missouri brings the hearing and deaf, hard of hearing and people with speech disabilities together at no charge with no sign up and no monthly fee. Log on to RelayMissouri.com and find out how you can start communicating with these new customers today.
0: Lots of people can talk about Jack Bauer this and firearms that, but few do what Jack Bauer does, and even fewer teach it. Are you looking for dynamic firearms training? Need to warm up that passion for tactical shotgun or carbine implementation? It's time to contact Sovereign Arms, your headquarters, for advanced firearm instruction. Train with the best in the Midwest now by visiting SovereignArms.com. That's SovereignArms.com and learn finally that life is sacred. Learn to protect it. Find out more now at twoguystalking.com forward slash guns. 24, live another day. The next installment of the worst days of Jack Bauer is coming. Soon we'll all get not only hour by hour episodes
1: of Jack Bauer and the foiling of international terrorism, but in two hour intervals. Are you a Jack Bauer fan? Are you ready to follow Jack now that he's back? Check out the hottest 24 Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash 24 live another day on Fox. An official partner of the 24 podcastcom effort.
2: This is Matt Gummercell with Sovereign Arms in St. Louis. You're listening to Two, Two Guys, Guys Talking. Talk.
0: Everyone, welcome back to the two guys talking perspective review of the Matrix, nineteen ninety nine, directed by the then Wachowski brothers. Just as there are goods inside of every movie, there's also the bad. Mister Two Guys Talking, I see you have a problem with authority.
1: Wow, 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 wow!
0: It's all virtual now. Everyone knows that listens to anything that Two Guys Talking has done before, we actually have segments inside of many of our podcasts where we actually go and we action bust where we look at what's going on inside of movies and we help educate you so that you understand, especially when it comes to firearms and tactics and safety, what is real and what isn't real. And so one of the very few negatives that I put on the list here is that this, in general, is all virtual. So the rules don't really apply. And in this movie, because of the way the storytelling works, it doesn't really matter. But because it is all virtual, it's a negative.
3: Uh, I don't see that
2: so much as a bad.
0: Yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh
2: well, never mind. Well, I'll take. But let off. me let me ask you this though. Like <laughs> sure. you, you, so we know that it's all virtual because we've seen it and mm-hmm. we know what they did, mm-hmm. and it's all virtual. Mm-hmm. But to the people that are on the ship that are living, you know, in this tattered world, but yet suddenly they can be immersed in the Matrix. But everybody falls the first time, you know, when they make the jump and, you know, and he coughs up blood. And all of a sudden for him, it's not virtual. So, like, for us, it's virtual. But even to the characters, there was virtual inside the Matrix. But then I'm coughing up blood. I'm checking my face. I come out of it. Well, I thought you said it wasn't real. Well, your mind makes it real. I thought it was well done. I mean, we know it because we're the audience. But yet to the characters, they were transferring back from virtuality to the reality. I, I, so, I, I think that's
0: very well said.
2: That's very yeah. well said.
3: And it adds that, you know, this is a serious danger. This is going on in our minds. Mm-hmm. So let's just kind of blow it off. Let's unhook ourselves and life will be fine. No. And there is peril, too, because... On both sides. The, the, the Nebuchadnezzar right, right. is hiding from the Sentinels, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they are very real within the movie.
4: Yeah.
0: Well, look, I'm just going to go eat my, you know... Prescribe booger goo <laughs> i'll be over here in the corner when you guys are done talking mr two guys talking i see you have a problem with authority
1: wow, 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 wow.
0: the trend of wire foo in action scenes after the matrix
3: in action scenes and other movies and whether it was a Parodies or just straightaway action movies. This got to be really old, at least for a couple of years after the Matrix. was
0: Yeah, because for as good as it got done inside of the Matrix, it's been done really bad inside of other movies. Agreed. Really, and it ruined really things like
3: Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but it was spoofed in Shrek, and it was in Charlie's Angels, and it was in this movie. Everyone could jump up in the air, and there was the bullet time thing, and everyone could just do, you know, five kicks. Before they would, you know, land, land on, on, the, on ground. the ground. Right, Ugh, hated that kind of stuff.
0: Well, and I continue to hate it because there are many times where wire foo and bad wire foo is used inside a movie still to this yeah. day.
3: Well, right. I think physics is something that's really bent, if not broken, mm-hmm. in movies and TV shows nowadays. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was probably Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I really didn't watch it, but my wife at the time did. Mm-hmm. And after this, you just saw the stunts and fight scenes become more and more elaborate. People jumped up in the air, and they flew across the room 20, 30 feet. And just because it created this trend, I would see this as a huge negative.
0: Oh, yeah. Mr. Two Guys Talking, I see you have a problem with authority.
1: Wow, 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 wow. Green
0: and or blue filters in countless dramas, thrillers, and action movies thereafter. I totally have to agree here. Mm -hmm. This was the, you know, the resounding, this is how you're going to do it. And so many people looked at it and said, okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it was taken as gospel, almost literally.
3: And they use it, I think, to add darkness and grittiness to a lot of scenes. Mm -hmm. But it's just a crutch. It doesn't make movies any better. It didn't make stories any better. Just even like a Denzel Washington, a thriller, a crime drama, Mm -hmm. you could just see them in some interrogation room, and there's this
0: deep, dark, green tint to it. It's like, don't they have normal lighting in there? Yeah. I can envision it right now. It's inside of a production design meeting where they would go, you know, kind of like in The Matrix. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And then they all go, oh, okay, got it, ding.
3: (sighs) But you go through the Bourne movies. They all had it in there. Uh, The fourth Die Hard movie that was Live Free or Die Hard right?
0: I have no memory of that event Senator. well the, the, the fifth
3: Die Hard movie I, I totally <laughs> forgot the fourth, one,
1: <laughs> the fourth one you look up in the sky
3: and it was a like green sky it's like come on you don't need green tinting everywhere
0: it's too true and it, it, it is one of those things that take you into a different reality except you're not in a different reality you're just in something where you know kind of like in the Matrix mm-hmm Mr. Two Guys Talking, I see you have a problem with authority.
1: Wow, 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 wow. The
0: concept of hackers. I know before you start bitching about it, we had this in the goods. But this also falls into the bads as well. Because for everything that happens inside of hackerdom inside of this movie, there are 10 negative things for Hackerdom inside of this movie. <laughs> yeah. And so it too, unfortunately, falls into the negative. Mr. Two Guys Talking, I see you have a problem with authority. The rogue cultural wave of black trench coats and guns. Matt, I think of the people in the room. You can probably speak to this one because, especially after Columbine, that's when I remember that there was just a gargantuan fist that was destroying most of what was happening inside of the Matrix because it was a bad sample of people using guns and modeling people to kill people.
2: Yeah, and that's probably a huge debate, uh, you know, as far as violence and violent movies and and, and even the hypocrisy now of some of Hollywood's, some biggest stars, including I think even Sylvester Stallone has express some anti-firearm sentiments mm-hmm. and different things mm-hmm. and, as he and,
0: collects his paycheck for right. expendable seven or it, whatever the hell right. it is mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: so again you know from our from our perspective we teach firearms responsibility i am always armed you know unless i go into a federal building or somewhere where that you know but required by law mm-hmm. i have no problem with that um, i don't have a problem with open carry which we've had discussions like mm-hmm. that on different two Programs, guys talking yeah. shows mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. forth uh, we're huge advocates of that. There's a time and a place for those types of things, show force protection, and then sometimes you know, concealed carry is going to give you an advantage in, in certain situations. It, this would just be a huge discussion for another show. Oh, yeah, but we, absolutely. We, sure. And I'd like to have that discussion if you want yeah. to do it sometime. Yeah. But there's definitely going to be people that will take and be inspired in a, in a sick way from watching certain violent acts and, and want to emulate those things, mm-hmm. and, and they'll do that. And, and may do that or attempt to do that, and, and these these things that are happening in, in schools and so forth, and universities, and, and uh, massive shootings and, and are just horrific tragedies. Our stance on that really is that we want to train people. As Sovereign Arms has actually, since the the shooting at CT, is training Missouri educators that are current educators with valid credentials, absolutely for free on the on the concealed carry, and we've mm-hmm. been doing that ever since the shooting, and we've trained hundreds of educators. We also believe that we should be putting uh, protectors in schools, and that not all educators are necessarily called to be protectors mm-hmm. because they have a God-given gift to be able to impart knowledge and wisdom in, in whatever capacity as a teacher, uh, but we, you know, we have tons of men and women that faithfully serve their country, mm-hmm. are coming back, having trouble finding jobs, are extremely well-equipped to defend and protect, mm-hmm. and uh, I just think the bottom line is if you see a police officer standing in front of a school what are the chances of somebody trying to attack that school? You know, I do executive protection, uh, bodyguarding, and anytime you harden a target, you make it a harder target. Whether you physically, structurally make it a harder target, or or you put people around, you know, armed people and security and so forth. Nobody attacks the president of the United States. Well, we've got you know millions and millions of dollars worth of protection physically and and, and with uh, armed security and so forth. So you make it a harder target. It's it's generally people are going to look for another target. We would like to see people trained to actually be protectors, I'd like to develop a whole university, if you will, that would be equivalent to a post level or higher with continuing education post is the certification that the police go through to become uh, actual police officers. Mm-hmm. And, and then make that available for people that want to do executive protection, bodyguarding, that could be insurable, there could be, you know, continuing education and give people jobs that uh, serve their country, or even let them volunteer if they want to volunteer. Not uh, not only that, but also uh, the word "prey" on their skill sets is, isn't quite the what I'm
0: the concept I'm trying to convey. But taking the people that have the specific a- skill, allowing sets, them to mm-hmm.
2: be used in and their using their them as a puzzle piece, right? And they're calling use, absolutely they're calling that they, you know they're called to be protectors. They've already demonstrated they put their lives on the line. Mm-hmm. Biblically, there's no greater love than somebody has than to lay their life down for another person. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, a lot of valiant people that are willing to and feel called to not just to be a martyr but if they were put in that position i would lay my life down to protect kids Mm -hmm. or or my church or my community Mm -hmm. because for me it's the right thing to do and i feel compelled to that and there's certain people that do and so certainly there's perversion in all types of things Mm -hmm. and there's going to be people that will pervert fictional violence as a means to their own end or or accomplishment of some sick thing that they want to do It's horrible for those people because they are sick, and you know they need help. A lot of them, but some of them are just insane, and, yeah. and they are literally out of their mind, and they're they have horrific evil purposes and that's what they're going to do and so then there needs to be somebody to stop those people
0: Yeah, and again that's what I love about the perspective reviews of things like this is because we've if I'm not mistaken we've traversed so many different plates of interest (laughs) inside of this and this is just another one that's created inside of the 1999 film The Matrix Mr. Two Guys Talking I see you have a problem with authority
1: wow 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 wow
0: that it continued, this is probably a debate, and that we're going to review other Matrix films, is a testament to maybe not have this on the list. But I wanted to put it, because it's a question I've always asked. I don't ask you the question, what is the Matrix? I ask you, what would the Matrix have been, had there not been a second and third Matrix? And I think the question asked at the end of the Matrix, with Neo flying straight into camera and snapped to black would have been an awesome way to leave the Matrix.
3: Exactly. Perfect ending. I, you don't really need any more than that. Uh Of course, because of the money, you know, they had to have sequels since mm-hmm. everything is a trilogy. Sure. Sure. You know, they had to add two more. Uh We'll probably get into this a little bit when we talk about the franchise. Mm-hmm. There was such a fascinating and rich universe created by this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of wanted them to continue to see what else happened mm-hmm. to see further adventures well how far would neo go i mean would he have the whole machine world incapacitated in some way who knows
0: yeah scott that's very well said very well said and that's where we ask you guys what did you think were negatives Inside of 1999's The Matrix, directed by the Wachowski brothers. Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence, that's facebook.com forward slash the number two, Guys Talking. Start a new thread there and let us know what you think was a negative inside The Matrix. Inside of every Two Guys Talking perspective review, we rate the films that we talk about at length, especially here inside of this juggernaut of a Perspective View podcast. And it's time to rate this movie on a scale of 1 being the worst, 10 being the best. Scott, what do you got? So many
3: great aspects about this. This is a modern sci-fi action classic. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I think because of the sequels, there were a lot of good things in the sequels, but a lot of bad things. Mm-hmm. And they really brought down my feelings towards the original movie a mm-hmm. little bit. hmm it, it's tainted what I saw here. It's, it's, it's well, what if spoiled we, well, the universe. Okay,
0: but what if we just take this movie, standing alone on its own, because essentially when this movie ended, yeah. there was no sequel. There was there, no there, sequel. There may have been plans and all in in notebooks like Lucas has mm-hmm. that there were plans for movies, but for the audience, that was it. Flew up in the camera, snapped the black, done. Okay, I can give you two ratings done. Okay, deal. okay
3: uh let's just say after I saw this on video whenever it came out on video probably you know Christmas four to or, six
0: months after it came out yeah yeah mm-hmm. Christmas
3: 99 uh-huh. I would have given this a 10 okay. I love this movie mm-hmm. because this is a perspective review mm-hmm. you, we're getting the perspectives of now it's 2014 we saw the other couple of movies came out mm-hmm. and they just tainted my whole view of the Matrix mm-hmm. and that brought it down to a nine for me.
2: Interesting. Matt, what do you got? I would have to say for me it would be probably a 9. In respect to all these different movies that I I guess that I like, you know, and and 24 and other different uh, types of things. Again, I think that the movie was just there's so much to it. It's so rich and deep. I actually liked the sequels, but I think for me I almost liked the first one a little better. The simplicity of it. I think there was a lot of biblical references to it, and yes, mm-hmm. there were some in the in the other movies. But I think you had almost like a John the Baptist and a Jesus thing <laughs> going on. And oh yeah, thing we didn't mention, yeah, Morpheus you know,
3: being John the Baptist, absolutely.
2: So for me, you know, that really I, I see those parallels, and then and Neo just really growing into something and finding himself, and and almost like becoming the savior, if you will, of the of the movie and the population and so forth. And it could have ended at the end and stood on its own. And while the other movies were phenomenal, look forward to, if you have me back to, you know, reviewing those, uh, I really liked it. And and I almost think that I liked it better than the other two. There were things, awesome things I liked about the other two that were certainly dynamically put together better than in the first one. Oh, yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah. Definitely. No doubt. Uh, But I think almost the, I don't know if innocence is the right word, but the, just the not knowing of what was going to happen at all. And then him not knowing, Neo not knowing. Uh, really identifying with that and just being in that place of like you said you you know he doubted himself and then at some point you almost thought Morpheus was doubting it but then he then he was holding on for dear life and all the the richness of behind the scenes and we could go and you could chase all these rabbit trails you know how deep does a rabbit trail go Mm -hmm. I mean we here we've talked for an hour and a half and I mean there's you could spend months dissecting things so I mean it's on my shelf at my home and uh, it's Uh, something that I watch frequently and for me it was a a 9. Yeah, there
0: is a a piece of music that is inside of the menu system, inside of the DVD of The Matrix that I instantly hear anytime somebody mentions this movie and it is this over and over and over little trail of music, but it is incredibly inspiring. I'll try and insert it here inside the podcast. It is a call for me for this movie. I can instantly hear that and everything that we've talked about inside this review instantly snaps to my memory. And that's what I call a good movie. When just this tiny little over and over menu system music set calls all of these memories and all of the meanings and all of the little tidbits and piccadillos inside of the movie call to me when I hear that little getting ready to watch the movie. And That's why this movie, especially if it hadn't had sequels, easily earns a 10 for me. And I don't give 10s willy-nilly. That we can sit and literally, as Matt said, sit here for an hour and a half on a movie from 1999 and still not have gone through all of the things that we probably wanted to talk about. There's
3: probably a lot of things we missed that people were thinking, what about
0: this, what about that? Just uh, amazing stuff, and it really does make for punch inside of the cinematic universe. And uh, again, a 10 for The Matrix for me. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you rate The Matrix, 1999, directed by the Wachowski Brothers? Let us know what you think by going over to our website over at twoguystalking.com forward slash matrix. Click on the contact button on the top right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you think. The Franchise. It's something that sets apart all of our Two Guys Talking perspective reviews in that we talk about the franchise and where it's gone. Now, we've poo-pooed it, obviously, where it's gone over the second two movies, but we do have to talk about the franchise. This franchise was, without a doubt, one of the most powerful things inside of 1999, but then also into the early aughts. And those two movies were, not so strangely, gargantuan corn combines of cash, very akin to its original brother here in 1999. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I can't take anything away from them because they made giant pools of cash for everybody. Uh, they also showcased a bunch of great scenes. The one I remember and will always remember is everything inside of the highway set inside of the second film. Mm. Yeah, yeah that, great action scenes, yeah. Beyond great action scenes, terribly memorable, stuff that easily equates to what's going on inside the first film. And then inside the last film, that gargantuan defense of humanity, literally, mm-hmm. in inside of the hole that must be filled somehow. Uh, you know, layers of concept that are going on with everything inside of both of the second movies. But I wish they hadn't been there.
3: In, in a way, yeah. Um, I have very mixed reviews. Like I said, a lot of good stuff, but mm-hmm. a lot of poorly executed stuff. Yeah. I think when uh, Wachowski Brothers created this, they only had one movie in mind, mm. and everything flowed together perfectly. It all fit well. But when it came to the sequels, Just so much poorly executed, poorly edited ideas put together, and I don't think they really knew how to end this thing. Yeah, Kind of what you mentioned, there was a lot of very memorable scenes, just like when – and I'm not comparing the second Matrix movie to The Empire Strikes Back. Mm Mm-hmm. But when a lot of people think of Star Wars, you know, the original Star Wars, they think of the Imperial Walker scene on Hoth. Sure. Or they think of, you know, Luke, I am your father. Well, those are from the second movie. Mm -hmm. Just like you mentioned the highway scene, whenever I think of the Matrix in general, that's one of the thoughts that comes to mind. Yeah. Oh, totally. I don't know if there's anything really good that could be taken from it. I I guess if it were up to me, I would just have the original movie just like you.
2: Mm -hmm. Matt, what do you think? Uh, well, uh, again, I thought that the original movie was extremely deep. I, I kind of agree with you that maybe they weren't sure exactly where to take it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, if you're working on something and you're kind of an artist, it, it has a flow, mm-hmm. and you kind of you kind of have an idea, but then sometimes you don't know exactly what you're going to do until you get into it, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it takes it takes a form and it takes a flow and it starts to jive together. I think there's some abrupt things that happened in the sequels that didn't really flow. Like they worked for that scene, like the highway scene, mm-hmm. but they didn't necessarily uh, flow together. But can you get away with it because it's, it is virtual and, and you can make it work just based on the virtuality of it that, well, we can just make that work because... It's a fantasy thing. Uh,
0: and that and that actually is referring to what I was talking about inside of the negatives that we talked about, about it all being virtual. Mm-hmm. Well, sure, we can add some more scenes in because, hey, it's a virtual world. Why not?
2: Lord of the <laughs> Rings is probably my, if you want, top 10. I mean, to me, that's fif- a 15. I, mm-hmm. I Just the Lord of the Rings is my absolute total favorite. Which we've
0: got in the cone of focus, awesome. actually, when they finish out uh, the Hobbit films. Awesome. We're going to go back through all those. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so uh, I I heard some criticism on that one time where they said, isn't it over yet? Like it could have ended like on that scene and then it could have ended on that scene and then that scene. Now, like I love it so much that I didn't really care. But there was there was so yeah, I'm very partial to it. So but there's people that uh, even actors that that said, you know, well, I thought it was going to be over. And then all of a sudden now they're getting on this ship and they're going away. (laughs) And I mean, and then, you know, and then now they're doing this. And it's like, okay, when when does it end? And and probably some of that was going on kind of with the Matrix, like we just didn't know where to end it or which way to take it. And it certainly wasn't as deep and well thought out. I, I Would you agree with that as yeah. the first one?
3: I'm sure once we've reviewed the third one. I think it just kind of petered out. I, I was just ex- expecting just some grand epic conclusion. Yeah, to it and all. I would
2: definitely was a little disappointed at the end of the number three. And you so think that's yeah. it. Yeah, that was it. And right, not right.
3: that not that I want gratuitous violence and explosions or anything. I was hoping for <laughs> the machine world equivalent of a Death Star blowing up and humans finally being free from everything, but it was a truce,
0: kind of, maybe. (laughs) You were looking for what was the end of the snow fight on Hoth, where all the rebels, yeah, they raised their hands in the air, "Eh!" except we didn't have any of that. We didn't have anything like that. Nothing Uh, at all. Very unsatisfying. I I totally agree with that, and again, I think there's going to be some more introspection inside of our other reviews of the other Matrix films, which sounds like there's going to be all kinds of interest for I guess the last thing I have in regard to all of the franchise stuffs, there is a fourth option out there that's available called the Animatrix. And this is something that I think everybody that is has any interest at all in anything The Matrix should see.
3: You know, I have not seen it. It's part of my uh, DVD set. Mm-hmm. I just really hadn't found mm-hmm. the need attention to watch to it. it. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, the reason is because it is animated. It is not a movie. But it is... Very much in the way of glue that I think will help anybody that has a real fundamental, boy, I love me some of the first movie, but man, those other two, blah. This will help provide you some of the stepping stones and building blocks into the pieces that were missing inside of both of the second films. Uh, It doesn't take it for me to, and now I love every Matrix film but it definitely fills in some of those holes, those donut holes,
4: Mm -hmm. takes Mm -hmm. the
0: donut holes and puts the cream and the frosting back on. You get a good bite out of it. And it really does allow you to take those stones and walk across a bunch of water that you couldn't previously. Mm -hmm. Um, You should definitely check that out. And again, it's called the animatrix that actually comes in the four pack. I think Scott's talking about that. I think I also bought, I, um, I got flooded out of my house right before we were going to watch this and so I had to go get The Matrix and the only The Matrix I could buy was the 4-pack The Matrix <laughs> with all of the films including the Animatrix. Uh, we'll also put that on our website as well but it's a great thing to buy especially if you're buying the 4-pack which I think was $5.99. You know it's crazy money to just go and spend and have that as a piece of your library as well as the Animatrix that fills in the holes. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you guys think of, in general, the franchise of The Matrix? Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash the number two guys talking. Start up a new thread there and tell us what you thought overall of the franchise The Matrix. And where it should go. Or shouldn't go. Or shouldn't have gone. Or might go because you watched the Animatrix to fill in the holes. How
3: deep does this rabbit go? It's incredibly right? deep. Right, yes.
0: <laughs> Wait, we have to talk for another hour and a half about it for sure. <laughs> so that wraps up our perspective review of The Matrix, 1999 directed by the Wachowski brothers. We're wondering what you thought of it. Again, go over to our website. That's the number two guys talking dot com forward slash matrix. Click on the contact button on the top right hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you think. Until our next Perspective Review, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Scott Roberts, another one of your hosts. And I'm Matt Gummersell, one of your guests from Sovereign Arms. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.